following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You are now listening to Lucha Outsider Show, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. At Lucha Outsiders, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Lucha Outsider Show. Congratulations. You played yourself. Welcome to another episode of the Lucha Outsider Show. I am the heel that seals the deal, the villain states chilling the anti-hero of the IWC, your boy, Mr. Rated R, and I'm joined by my tag team partner. He's the man that put the honor back in Ring of Honor. He's the analysis of the LOC. He's a straight shooter on Twitter, and when it comes to wrestling, he has a radar for the mean streets of LI. Yes, I did put the honor back in Ring of Honor. That's right. I love it. What's going on, Mario? It's been a while, man. Dude, we have so much to talk about. It's insane how we haven't done a show in almost three weeks, I think. Has it been that long already? Wow. <laughs> it's been a while, dude. Jeez, I mean, that's, yeah, I know. It's like, literally, GCW was uh, like two weeks ago, and, and yeah, we didn't do a show that day. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. It's, it has been a while. It's crazy, because this week, just this week alone, forget about the GCW show, but this week alone, there's been so much news and so much shit happening in the world of wrestling that it kind of feels like a Mania week. Yeah, I, I know, man. I, I can only imagine what Mania week's going to be like. Uh, well, well, we'll get there. Uh, before we get started, Ryan, give me a second. It's hashtag Rebel Time. All right, dude. How are you, man? How's everything? Yeah, everything's going good, man. I... I... I got no complaints. Uh, you know, we we're just talking off air. Yep. You know, the weather sucks here in New York, New Jersey, and it's cold, and it's we've got snow, and just a pretty depressing time of the year. So not much going on. But I mean, you know, I guess I'm not in totally like in the in the point to like complain. You know, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing going on. There's nothing really to complain about besides being bored. But there's other things that are way worse in life. So, uh, what about you? Hanging in there, man, Monday to Friday. Um, like I was telling you off air, I am miserable because I'm at my job, at my uh, my shoot job, not doing this, which I would <laughs> I would love to do this shit like 24-7, you job, know, permanently yeah. and getting paid. But unfortunately, it's not working out that way for the time being. But the stress at work, but then I have weekends like this where I just kind of chill and relax. And while I do get what you're saying, you know, there isn't really much to do because it's like cold outside and kind of shit weather. At the same time, we're saving money because we're not really doing much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, uh, that's a positive to take out of it for sure. For those that are wondering where the hell Leo, Leo's under the weather just a little bit, so he decided to take a powder. So hopefully he'll return next week. I feel like I'm making an excuse for this guy every single time we do an episode <laughs> now. <laughs> Listen, I, I think I think this week though he he gets a he gets a pass. Yeah, so I, a pass. I, I hope the best for Leo. Yeah. I hope he's resting up and hope he gets well too. <laughs> All right, so we haven't done a show and I and I believe like in a good three weeks. So let's kind of 
explain why we haven't done a show. So we took a break for the world on GCW, which was at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And we're going to talk about that show in a little bit. And then the following weekend, which was the weekend of the Royal Rumble, you hit me up, I want to say either Wednesday or Thursday, and hit me with this bombshell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, very last minute, out of the blue. Um, I'll explain the full detail mm-hmm. uh, in a minute. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was uh, just uh, a last minute thing and debated it, contemplated it, and ultimately decided to do it. And I'm glad I did because I escaped that uh, terrible snowstorm <laughs> we got here uh, in New York. And unfortunately, didn't go anywhere where it was any nicer, you know, it was still freezing cold in St. Louis, but no snow. Um, but yeah, I decided to do it on a whim. That's unfortunately why we couldn't do a show then. No, uh, but it was cool because I was, I listen, because even go, so going into the Royal Rumble, the second you hit me with the news, like, hey, listen, I'm going. I'm like, yo, good for you, bro. I'm happy for you or whatever. And then we get hit with this ton of snow. You're over in, it was Missouri, right? Yeah. St. Louis. So you're over there. You guys are fucking at a at a, at a, at a bar from a, what, what is it? Yeah, Anaconda the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. There you go. There. You're over there having fucking drafts. And I'm like, dude, I envy you because I'm dealing with this right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that was the big reason why I just decided to do it, man. I was like, oh, I know I'm going to be miserable here all weekend. Everything was reasonable. Mm-hmm. My friends convinced me. And, like, yeah, all my friends were going. And right. Like, I don't know. I just... I didn't really, I don't know, man. I just didn't, I've been to, I've done these trips before, right? Of like, course. I've gone to so many SummerSlams, Royal Rumbles. But this year, I just had no intention of going. St. Louis, usually, like, the, usually the, the destination, like, where these events are really plays a big part of me going to, because it's, like, a new place for me to explore. Of course. I uh, never really had a desire to go to St. Louis at all, but, um, you know, it, it's, and it wasn't really anything that special, I'll, I'll admit. Um, nothing really enticing me to go back there. I did have a good time, but, um. Yeah, all my friends were going, and they just said, listen, like, you know, like, shit's reasonable. Like, you want to come? Like, you escape the snow and everything. And the Royal Rumble card looked good, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And going back to what we said before, where there's nothing really going on. Like, right. yeah, I don't do much. I work from home, um, so I barely ever leave the house. I've just been really doing a whole lot of nothing ever since, like, you know, the holidays. And, you know, I, I got caught. Um, unfortunately, COVID caught me, you know, after New Year's yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's just been, like, pretty depressing this time of year. So I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was literally on, like, two, three days' notice. And, uh, and yeah, man, I just I booked a flight, and I away we went. So how, who got the tickets? Did you get the tickets last minute? Did your buddies get the tickets? How did this all kind of, like, happen? Yeah, so we were, like, uh, we were planning on just getting last-minute tickets. You know, there's always, like, you know, those last-minute tickets over there. Of course, of course. Uh, actually, we, we had planned to, well, like, some one of my friends suggested maybe we just fly to St. Louis without a ticket, and then we, we'd get it, like, you know, a couple of hours before the show or whatever, but then a couple of my other friends were like, nah, I don't really feel comfortable doing that, we should just take care of it now before we get there, blah, blah, blah. I didn't care either way, and then, you know, my buddy Brandon, he bought all the tickets, I think it was seven of us total, so he put it on his credit card, got six seats, and, um, you know, for a reasonable price, and... And yeah, so uh, like I said, between the, the ticket price and the, the flight, which was not bad at all, and uh, the hotel split it between, you know, a bunch of people, you know, with four people to a room, um, you know, it, it just ended up really being a, a pretty cheap trip, you know, for, for something that's last minute. Um, so like I said, to me, it was just a no brainer. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And uh, like I said, I'm glad it did. How long is the flight from uh, New York to Missouri? It was about, uh, it was close to three hours, a little Oh, that's three nothing. Hours. That's nothing. Yeah. That's like going to Chicago. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it was, it was not bad at all. Like I said, I, I, I couldn't complain. I slept both ways, you know, yeah. for a little bit and, uh, 
And yeah, yeah, it was, it was not bad at all. You did this. You wanted a, gr- a good, a nice little kind of getaway. The rumble happens. Um, I'm sure we both have opinions on it, but before we kind of break down exactly what happened at the rumble, what did you think of overall the rumble show? Like, t- let's not like involve yet, like kind of all the aftermath and what came out after the rumble, but just overall. Your experience at the Rumble, just being there live, did you enjoy the show or not? Yeah. Uh, listen, when you go to the shows, and you know this for, firsthand as well, and anybody else listening to this, I'm sure they've been to countless shows, whether it's WWE, whether it's AEW, whether it's any other wrestling promotion. The shows, when you go to the shows, it's always better. You, you always have a better experience being there right. uh, than you know watching it on TV. So, like, I feel like if I was at home and I watched the show on TV, I'd have a lot of the opinions that, you know, a lot of the majority of people, you know, I saw online happening. But, you know, being there live, and it's kind of, it's, I compare this to like WrestleMania too, because this was not in a regular arena. This was in the football um, stadium over there. Yeah, so and, just like, and the Rumble's yeah. the second biggest show for WWE too. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just felt really big. And, you know, it's it's like, I, I can't really tell you that I sat there and had a miserable time. Right. Like, it's right, really right, right. impossible, you know? Um, so I did not think the show itself was really as bad as everybody is making it out to be. Um, you know, we'll get into the specifics, yeah. obviously, but you know, it just, I, I thought overall, it's, it's really nothing I didn't expect. Right. And you know, this is my problem too, with, with the internet itself, like yeah. everybody kind of knew the two outcomes of the <laughs> rumble matches and things like that. Everybody knew what direction, mm-hmm. uh, that WWE was heading for these two big main event matches at WrestleMania, and people still bitched and moaned and complained. Like, you know it's coming, and you still complain. Uh, I just, you know, I'm I'm trying in 2022 to complain less about wrestling. Huh? You know? Because especially with WWE, it's mm-hmm. like, if you, you know, we know by now right. what we're getting with WWE. You either deal with it, or you either take it or you leave it, mm-hmm. okay? But nobody's leaving it. Everybody's taking it, but they're still complaining. Right. So, like, jokes on everybody everybody for watching this and investing your time. If you're that miserable and unhappy, then don't watch. Real quick, I had this – I'm in um, a Facebook group chat with a couple of buddies who are wrestling fans. And uh, one of my friend's friend – I don't really know him too well, but I just know him like, through the group chat. And I've seen him at a couple of shows or whatever. Like, I like him. He's, he's, a, he's a good dude. Uh, but he's very, very, like, he's one of those people that he really just loves, like, the indie wrestling and AEW the most. He, like, shits on everything WWE-related, right? All right, rightfully so. There's a lot you could shit on it for. He's a pet obviously, obviously, if he's shitting on it, he's watching it. And, right. he's up, and he's up to speed with it. So he shit on everything at the Royal Rumble. Like, he said it was, like, the worst show he's ever watched. Oh my the God. worst Rumble he's ever seen. Um, worst pay-per-view, terrible. Uh, WWE... They don't know how to book. They're going to WrestleMania. It's a, a, it's a freaking disaster. Okay, whatever. It's just his opinion. He's shitting on it. Everybody else is just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then a few days ago, I think this was Friday, he writes in the group chat, I think I'm going to do Mania. And I'm, I, ju- I literally, like, I don't even really know this kid too much, but I literally just called him out. I'm like, what? I'm like, why would you do Mania? Like, you literally were just complaining about the product and how bad the Rumble was and, oh, you don't like the outcomes and this and that, so why would you do Mania? Right. But see, this is my problem. People can't help themselves. Yes. They'd rather yes. bitch and moan and complain, but when it comes to doing things like Mania or Rumble or watching these shows, they do. They watch it and they attend anyways because they can't help themselves. But why do you bitch and moan and hate it so much yeah. and then still go? Yeah. I don't get it. I'm glad that you have this tone, Ryan, and I'm not surprised that you have this tone and this opinion. Because prior to the Rumble even happening, you remember you remember Avengers Infinity War? Remember the part where 
Doctor Strange is kind of meditating and he's going through every possible scenario where the Avengers go over and he tells yeah. Tony Stark, like, Tony Stark asked him, like, how many do we go over? How many do we win? And he just said one. Well, that yeah. was pretty much <clears throat> me, and everybody should have been this way. That was pretty much me going through everything, every single possible outcome that could happen in the Royal Rumble. And there's a couple different versions, but the version that we got on Saturday was one of the versions that I predicted. Yeah. And exactly. to me, and this is watching it at home, I wasn't there live, and I agree with you 110%, being there live is, in, in a lot of ways, you might have a different opinion than watching it at home. I didn't think it was a bad show. Yes, maybe the booking and the creative in many parts of the show wasn't good, specifically the Rumble matches, but I don't think it was an overall show. Yeah, did it start on, a, on an all-time high and then it kind of went down as the show progressed? Absolutely. But I don't think it was a bad show. And kind of going back to what you were saying, like, everybody came out of there, and I know I'm in the minority, where I enjoy the show for what it was. Everyone came out of there like, man, this is the worst rumble in years. The show was terrible, this and that. I'm like, hold on. Do you think the show was bad because who you wanted to win the rumble didn't win the rumble? Or did you automatically over, like you think that the whole show was bad. Because if you're going to sit in there and tell me that that whole show was bad, you're just out of your mind and you're just trying to find a reason to hate yep. the, the to hate the show. Yes, creative was was a mess, okay, as the show progressed. We could have easily predicted what happened that night, and that's pretty much how it went. Let's not act like WWE hasn't given us this type of booking. They've been giving this booking to us for years. And I had this conversation with Iridium from the Rush Friends. Shout out to Iridium and Teddy. She came out of there like, oh, I just didn't enjoy the show. I'm like, Iridium, you're smarter than this. Like, you're, you're acting like this is not what WWE has given us for years. I want to keep, keep this in mind. People were upset that Brock Lesnar won the Rumble, right? Keep in mind, he gets the loudest pop every time he appears on TV. You, Us as the fan base. We're kind of giving the WWE the okay, like, hey, we should see him on TV more often than not. So we saw him lose a title in a screwy finish, which if you thought that Brock was not going to win the Rumble, especially how he lost the title, you're just clueless. You're just out of your fucking mind. The second he dropped the title in that screwy finish, that should have been, something should have clicked in your brain to say, okay, he's winning the Rumble. I think that the problem with wrestling fans is they can't separate fandom and reality. Me as a fan, I will love AJ Styles to win the Rumble. I will love AJ Styles to have another world title run. Reality is, it's very, it's very unlikely that he's going to get that opportunity, okay? People need to separate fandom and reality. And reality is, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns are carrying that fucking company, and they get the loudest pops, better or worse, okay? And now that Brock won the Rumble, now there's mixed feelings. Now people are butthurt about it. You guys put him in that position. Because he gets the loudest pops every single time he's on TV. And personally, while I would have loved to see somebody else win the Men's Rumble, maybe you could have booked it differently, but that's what they gave us. Now, the Ronda stuff, I think I think um, you predicted it. The You predicted Ronda winning the Rumble, okay, before there was even the rumors of Ronda returning. So credit to you. I mean, the second Ronda came out, the second there was rumblings of Ronda, I think it should have been, it, it was a safe bet. That she was going to win the Rumble. And shout outs to the heel marks because I won 300 bucks because of that too. So <laughs> we're both realists here. We'll, when they deserve it. 
or we crap on any other company when they deserve it as well. We've done it in Japan, we've done it in AEW, etc., etc., right? We're probably going to do it towards GCW in a little bit. But in this specific scenario with, with the Rumble show and just this whole negative energy coming out of the show, I don't think the show was that bad. I thought Survivor Series was a piece of shit pay-per-view. I can't say the same thing over the Rumble, especially with that great opener with Rollins and Roman Reigns. That's See, that's the storytelling we want from WWE every single time we turn on the channel for Raw and SmackDown. If, if WWE booking was like that perfect of storytelling, then we would have no complaints. But unfortunately, they can't give us that. But I just don't think the Rumble was, was that bad. I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, listen, like people were bitching and moaning about Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey winning the Rumble matches. But let me, like, let's, like, digest that for a second, because I saw a lot of people saying, well, oh, uh, you know, Bianca should have won the Women's Rumble, or, oh, Liv should have won the Women's Rumble. If Bianca would have won the Women's Rumble for the second straight year, would people really pop for that? Would that get people excited? Because I feel like people would still bitch, oh, she won it two years in a row, she didn't need to win it, blah, 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 this and that. Liv Morgan, okay, maybe people would pop for it. But the reality is, and it's going back to what you said about Brock, the same thing applies to Ronda. Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, they draw. They draw big money. Those are the two that are going to be featured all over the WrestleMania posters that are all over that huge, giant AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Those are the two that are going to be plastered all over SportsCenter when SportsCenter covers WrestleMania. On all the, the news articles, all the headlines, uh, you know, I, I came home from the Rumble, and, you know, my mom asked me how the show was and everything. I said it was good. And she's like, oh, I saw Ronda Rousey returned. And I was like, where did you see that? Oh, uh, it, can't, it showed up on Yahoo. I was like, oh, really? If Liv Morgan or Bianca Belair won the Women's Royal Rumble, that shit would not have been on Yahoo because they don't draw money. They're, they're not big enough stars. And obviously that's WWE's fault. But Right, we're not faulting the talent. We're faulting WWE's booking. Right, right. But the fact of the matter is, if you can't understand why they put Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar in these spots... But then, you, you, like you said, you just don't get it. Now, I'm not saying, like, like I said, I'm all for it, but I understand why they do the things that they do, okay? Big E, everybody, apparently everybody wanted Big E to win the Men's Royal Rumble. I just don't feel like I would have even cared if Big E won the Men's Royal Rumble. And, and that's not e. towards him. That's because of WWE's booking. Yes. Big E took a giant... Just, he is on the decline. Now he's back with the New Day. And it's good. they're going to do the same thing they, they did with Kofi Kingston. They throw him back in the tag team. We forget that he was even WWE champion. Goodbye to his singles push. He's done. I would not have popped huge for Big E winning the Royal Rumble. I, I don't know. That's just me. And again, I like Big E, but I just don't feel like I really needed him to win the Royal Rumble to set up a match between him and Lashley. Like, I don't, I just really didn't need that. And I'm not saying I needed Brock either, but like, I would have preferred somebody, like you said, AJ or, or Riddle, who obviously Riddle, was rumored yeah. to win the Rumble. I don't oh, know if you saw that. there is rumors. something like that. There is rumors galore coming out of this Rumble, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, of course there is. <laughs> but also, let's, you know, I also want to go back to, to, you know, Brock and Ronda, too. And let's not make it seem like how they set up Ronda and Charlotte and Brock and Roman throughout this night. Let's not pretend like it didn't make sense, because let's yeah. be honest, it did, mm -hmm. okay? Rhonda comes in, uh, her and Charlotte are the final two, she dumps Charlotte out, and then we just saw that she picks Charlotte to be her WrestleMania opponent. Okay, that's how they set up that match, so that made sense. Brock gets screwed for, by Roman, Bobby Lashley wins the WWE title, Brock enters the Rumble and wins to get to Roman. Tell me how that doesn't make sense. Now, I was arguing with one of my, uh, you know, not arguing, but we were having a, a discussion with 
you know, I was having it with Brian from the Royal Ramble and, and, you know, a couple of my other buddies that are in that crew as well. And they, you know, they're not happy because, you know, there's going to be title versus title at Mania. That's the rumored plan. And Brock is going to win the title in the chamber. So it only gives Bobby Lashley a, like a three week reign. And oh my gosh, you know, Brock should have never lost the title. He could have still entered the Rumble as champion and won. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. If he was still the champion and entered the Rumble and won, that would get people even more pissed off. And let's be honest, that would not have made sense at all, because why would he need to enter the Rumble to get Roman after he retains his championship? It makes like, no I, sense. I just, that, that would not have made that much it makes sense. No sense. The fact that he got screwed over and he's like, oh, I need, to, I need to get revenge on Roman, and he becomes, you know, number 30 and he wins the whole thing to get to Roman, that made sense to me. So I didn't even hate the decision to have Brock go over, and obviously I didn't hate the decision to have Ronda go over because I couldn't see any other woman that I really cared about winning that Rumble to begin with. So my biggest problem with you know those things itself were the matches, especially the men's match. That match was awful. I actually didn't think the women's was that bad. The women's really. the women's Rumble wasn't that, that bad. And yeah. let me tell you, they disrespect the shit out of Molina, but. <laughs> Uh, he, she's not the only one. He disrespected uh, so, every single legend uh, that was even in that. But uh, yeah, the, I thought the women's rumble was was good for what it was. Obviously, there was more surprises there. The men's rumble was like the. Let me tell you something. WWE has a problem that the biggest pops were Shane McMahon, Bad Bunny, and Johnny Knoxville. Okay, at least that's the way it came out on TV. They got tremendous pops. Yeah, yeah. No, they they did, especially Bad Bunny, bro. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I popped for Bad Bunny, dude. I love that guy, man. He is so freaking good. Dude, he's so much he's fun great. to watch. He knows bro, how to sell. Dude. Yeah. Dude, he's, he's incredible to watch, bro. I have a feeling he's going to face Sheamus at WrestleMania because they've been beefing on, well, Sheamus has been beefing with him on Instagram and stuff. And I just feel like, you know, with the opportunity to have Big Bunny again showcase that mania in some sort of match, dude, I'm all for it, bro. I don't care who he wrestles. So, he, is, he is super fun to watch. So when it comes to the men's rumble, I blame, obviously, the booking and kind of, like, no surprises, etc. on WWE's part. But then I also blame the fan base on why they hated the Rumble so much. And I'm going to tell you why. A good plethora of people really thought that the Forbidden Door was going to be wide open for people to show up at the Rumble. They thought guys like Chris Jericho and John Moxley and Cody Rhodes were going to pop at the Rumble. And that was never going to happen. People try to question me, like, oh, well, why are you posting this now? When was there even a discussion of us even saying that that's even a possibility? It was never going to happen. So people had this illusion that the Forbidden Door was going to be wide open for the Rumble. And guess what? They didn't get that, okay? And now, all of a sudden, that's another reason to hate on the Rumble overall show. Like, come on, man. Are you really that gullible? You really thought AEW contracted talent was going to pop up in the Rumble? Exactly. I mean, I expected some more legends, some surprises, things like that. They gave us nothing. Instead, you know, they, they wasted time giving us Ricky Books and freaking uh, Mad Cat Moss and Rich Holland, guys that they have not built up yet and guys that nobody cares about. Like, the audience does not care about any of these guys. So, like, instead of giving us those three, and then, you know, I, I understand that they have to do this, but, like, you know, I hate when we have to get both street profits in there and you know like like the tag teams like you know it's just like you know here comes chad gable and otis like i i just feel like i understand they need 30 spots to fill but man you could have taken at least one or two of those guys out of there even three or four and maybe 
you know, brought back some, I don't know, legends or something. I don't I don't know who, oh. but I'm just saying something to pop the crowd yeah. for Christ's sake. Champa Pete Dunn care about. Champa Pete Dunn, LA Knight. Right. NXT guys, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, they, they gave us nothing and it was just like one after the other after the other. You're waiting for something good. And up here comes Chad Gable. Up here's Angelo Dawkins. Up here's Mad Tab Moss. Up here's Dolph Ziggler. Oh, here's Bobby Roode. Like no, like it was one after the other after the other. And I'm just like, oh my god, nobody cares about any of these people. That was my biggest issue with the Rumble. It's just like there was nothing good, uh, you know, about the match itself. And I'm curious if if that match was good, if it was booked correctly and like really really good. I wonder if people would actually still bitch and moan that they would still they would still complain about something. I'm sure they would have. Yeah, I'm sure they would have. But I just I feel like maybe it would have been a you know a better taste in people's mouths. Like oh we we just watched a great match and unfortunately Brock won. But man, that Rumble was so much fun. It was booked great and all that stuff. You know I, I don't know. But you're right. They would probably bitch and moan still. But I'm just like I said. I'm really tired of it, man. Like. Like, me and you complain about WWE enough. I mean, we really do. There's a lot to complain about, obviously. But we still choose to watch. We still choose to invest our time and money into the product. Uh, so we, what we get is what we get. We either like it or we don't like it. Uh, I'm not saying I love everything, but I'm also saying I don't hate everything either. I don't, I don't like think I the said, Rumble was a bad show. I really don't. Uh, yeah, the show itself, I don't think it was either. I mean, I thought Brock and uh, and Bobby could have been better. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, it was solid for what it was. You know, it's basically just, uh, you know, just suplex after suplex, hard hitting. And, there, there were some know, stiff shots in that match. There were yeah. definitely some stiff shots in that match. I mean, obviously Roman and Seth oh. killed it. Yet the DQ finish sucked. But you know what? I honestly thought it was going to continue the story. Um, I loved, like, the, the post-match stuff, you know, where Roman's basically doing what Seth did. He broke up the shield, so I enjoyed that. Uh, you know, the mixed tag match, Edge and Beth. That was what, that, that was what it was, you know? It yes, was, but, it, but I don't think it was terrible. No, I don't think know? it was terrible either. It was, it was a fun, you know, kind of fun. kind of breather before, like, the main event. You know, I, I didn't see a problem with that. The Becky Lynch uh, dewdrop match, I did not expect to be good anyways. I hit the bathrooms during that, and then the WrestleMania sign yeah, caught fire. Caught fire so yep. that everybody was distracted for that. So, like, that was, like, what it, whatever. And then, you know, you just had both rumbles, and the women's was, was decently good, and, and the men's was, was terrible. But overall, I just don't know how you can sit there and be like, wow, this show absolutely sucked. I mean, I don't know, but, I, but that's just me. All right, we're going to get into all the aftermath from the rumble, but just, I just want to find out a couple of things. How disrespectful is the fact that Mad Cat Moss is the one that eliminated AJ Styles? Let me tell you, when AJ Styles came out at number one, doing the Shawn Michaels pose, I'm like, let's go, baby, let's go, AJ! Yeah. When he passed like, the 20-minute mark, I'm like, dude, if he makes it to the final four, I'll be happy with that. Just alone, even though I want him to win the Rumble. And he gets eliminated by Mad Cat Moss? Like, I, I get, like, us at times, and I, I think we do this with WWE, but we, we talked about it in other promotions, too. I think we even said in New Japan, like, sometimes they, they just can't create new stars or whatever. But they also, like... This is like, oh, well, they're giving him the rub. But I'm like, but they're not giving us a reason to give a shit about Matt Cat Moss. Just like Austin Theory. I'm sorry, but when he came out in the Rumble, at least on TV, it was crickets for him. No, As much as Austin Theory has potential, he's a talented guy. But WWE has not given us a reason to give a fuck about this dude at all. Like, I, every time I see him on my TV, he's like, I just want to change the channel. Like, why is this guy on my TV? Yeah, he's good in the ring, but... That's like the same with Ricochet. Give us a reason to give a shit about these characters. It doesn't matter how good they could be in the ring, but if you don't give the audience a reason to care about them as a face or as a heel, does it even fucking matter? I'm sorry. Like, at the way Austin Theory's going right now, 
I just don't see anything happening big with him. And listen, like you could, I look at a guy like Rich Holland and Mad Cat Moss, and those two are like, you know, like they're built really well. Like they, they, they got the looks right. I feel like those two, especially, could be big freaking deals, man. Like I really do, if booked correctly. But the problem is, they're booked like freaking geeks, especially Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin. They're booked like a joke. So why should we care? Instead of giving him a serious persona or giving him a decently good character for us to get behind, and then maybe he goes on this crazy run of eliminating so many people, and you know, you just create a star in the right. Rumble, you know, in him. I, I like I said, I really think he's got something. But again, they book him like a freaking geek. Ricky Boogs, too. He's got so much freaking charisma, man. I just feel like he's a guy that can get the crowd behind him and everything. But they just don't give us a reason to care, man. He's plays second fiddle to Nakamura, plays him out to the ring. Yeah. He, he has not, like, who is Rick Boogs? Like, I don't really think anybody freaking cares. Nobody and cares. He, just like what you said about Madcap eliminating, eliminating AJ Styles, I had the same problem in the Women's Rumble when Queen Selena eliminated Sasha Banks, who came out at number one. She should have had a longer run in there as well. I don't understand how Sasha got eliminated so early. I'm like, wow. What I'm saying, like, a lot of mind-boggling decisions in the Rumble. So if people want to shit on that, I completely understand, man. I, I don't understand how they come up with these things about who's going to eliminate who. And, uh, I, you know, I was just very just disappointed with a lot of the way, you know, the, a lot of the booking in the matches itself. But, you know, it's like I said, it's WWE, man. Like, it is what it is, but it's, you know. Reigns and Rollins, I was okay with the finish if somewhere down the line we get this story to continue. Whether yeah. it's a SummerSlam or maybe post-WrestleMania. Um, in a perfect world, we probably would have loved this to happen at WrestleMania, but that didn't happen. But I feel like we got the screwy finish because eventually this story is going to continue, and I'm perfectly fine with it. I think they put on a masterpiece in the ring. I love Seth Rollins coming out to the Shield uh, theme. I love commentary acknowledging the Shield, and Pat McAfee saying Mox, and then, of course, Michael Cole had to be a company guy and say Dean Ambrose, whatever. I love the fact that they acknowledge Mox. I, I just I love this match so much. Yeah, man, I, I knew they would kill it. These guys are two of the best ever. Got mm -hmm. insane chemistry. Um, from, you know, from Rollins coming out to the Shield music, music, which I thought was just freaking brilliant. It got a huge pop out of me. Um, thought it was so freaking cool. And then, yeah, the match itself. I mean, listen, like, Roman wasn't going to lose no. this match. And I guess they just wanted to keep Rollins strong, which is why they did the DQ finish. And But in the end, you know, he got murdered with the chair from Roman and stuff like that. And listen, I thought maybe this would continue at uh, the Elimination Chamber. I mean, I don't think it's totally out of the question. Like, I don't think right now, it's like they're thinking about it, but I don't, you know, you know how WWE is when it gets close to WrestleMania. Sometimes yes. they pull little audibles here and there. Yep. I, I mean, I'm all for this. This is what I would book, but I'm not so sure that we're not going to get Seth Rollins in the match with Roman and Brock to make it a triple threat. I don't know. You know, Rollins still wants revenge or something like that. He needs a big WrestleMania match. I think it's a possibility that he gets added to that. Rollins two belt. Rollins two belt. <laughs> hey, listen, man, I'm all for it, bro. I am all for it. So, I mean, like I said, if that happens, then this, then, you know, this DQ finish made sense. Like I said, even if they revisit it at SummerSlam, right. right? Like, this still makes sense because it's part of the story. So, I understand people are like, oh, you know, another DQ finish on a WWE pay-per-view. But you know what? Like I said, if it continues this story in some way, then I'm fine with it. If it doesn't, which looks like right now, they're just kind of going away from it. But if they revisit it, like I said, in a few months, then I'm okay with it. But it's just, you know... Like I said, it, it it really just it was what it was. You know, Rollins wasn't going to win. 
Uh, and I guess they just didn't want to beat him clean, so they did the DQ this way. You know, it put a lot of heat on Roman, and that's just what they went with. Credit to both guys, too, because if you watched SmackDown the night before, Rollins was kind of getting the heel heat, and Roman came out very sympathetic. That SmackDown before the Rumble. Fast forward to the Royal Rumble, the whole crowd, to me, seemed more pro-Rollins and... Ro uh, Ro Roman got his heat back with those chair shots at the end of the match. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was just great storytelling from both guys. And, you know, I thought about the triple threat, especially on how Rollins won the title to begin with back in uh, WrestleMania was at 31 in uh, San Jose. So it kind of, you know, it, everything comes full circle where we actually get a triple threat with these three guys. I don't think they're going to go in that direction. I'll kind of fast forward to everything post-Royal Rumble. So now we're getting this Elimination Chamber match and Lesnar's in it. You think they're going to put the le the title back on Lesnar? I, I know title versus title is a big marquee match, and I wouldn't necessarily be against it. At the same time, I'm like, I kind of want to see two world title matches at WrestleMania, especially because they're two, you know, two nights. Also, if we're getting a title versus title, is it going to be title unification? Is it going to be more winner-takes-all, kind of like they did with the women's title match a couple years ago for WrestleMania 35? I hope it's not a unification match. I'd rather see a guy just carry both titles and kind of defend them separately. I personally do not want to see a unification match, but that's just me. Yeah, I prefer to see two title matches at WrestleMania, too, because, you know, a title versus title, it kind of takes away opportunities mm -hmm. for guys like Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, anybody else who's on Raw right now you know, uh, if, to fight for one of those titles, you know, from the WWE title probably. Um, it, you know, it takes away a lot of opportunity from other guys when you have, like, both champions in one match. Uh, so I'm not for it either. But with that being said, I think that's exactly what we're going to get. I think we're going to get title versus title. I just feel like Vince is going to – apparently Heyman and Lesnar have been pushing for it, I read. And I just feel like Vince is going to think, like you said, oh, this is, is going to be big, you know, a big marquee, title versus title. Like, it puts a – more, uh, you know, makes the match even feel bigger and more special like they did with the women's. They didn't have to do winner-take-all with that women's triple threat at WrestleMania 35, but they did. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the same thing is going to happen here. So I'm not for it, but, you know, again, it is what it is. If they do this and it's a winner-take-all and this is a way to unify the titles, get rid of the brand split, and just have one world champion, that is what I am for. I think it's time. Listen, they don't... The roster is not that deep right now. They, just, they obviously just got the entire roster they released so many people and i'm sure the releases are going to come too i'm sure we're going to get another spring cleaning mm -hmm. uh, of releases after mania and stuff like we always usually get they're going to trim some of the fat off of off the roster and things like that um so it's just it's i don't think the roster is going to get bigger like i just think it's going to keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller so i don't think necessarily that you need two champions i don't think you need two separate brands and shows and and basically handcuffing people to one show uh, you know, in a perfect world, I, again, this is WWE we're talking about, but, you know, you get some fresh matchups, you know, you can see both guys, you could see like Roman on Raw and SmackDown, you could see just these guys popping up really anywhere. Same goes for the women's division too, man. I would love to see one women's champion, the tag division, oh my God, that, that's like depleted at this point, have one set of tag titles, yep. and then you have the IC and the US, which are pretty much irrelevant at this point, so that is what it is. Um, but you just, I don't think the brand split is really necessary. So if they're going to do this and they're going to unify the titles, I hope that it is just to merge them and not do what Becky Lynch did where she held both and then they had the money in the bank and then they had Bailey cash in to take one of the belts off of her. I, I just, I, I would feel like that would be a waste of time then to do title versus title if you're just going to end up with 
the championships being separated in the end again anyways, you know? So, it, I, I don't know. It, but um, that's it, just my feeling. If they go in the direction of unification, which... You know, you made some good, strong points, especially with the roster getting kind of smaller in size. Maybe the brand split is no more once again, right? So if we do get this unification and this continues the the, the trend of kind of unifying the titles, especially the tag the tag division, there isn't no tag division. They should just they should be one set of tag team champions. But whatever. When it comes to the world title situation, what title do they keep? Do they keep the WWE World Championship or do they keep yeah. the WWE Universal Championship? No, they keep the WWE title uh, for, for sure, one hundred percent. Do you think they remade it to like the WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship? Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Oh, it's, God. it's definitely possible. Yeah, I, I, I listen when they merged the the world titles years ago. They it wasn't it WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Yep. You know, it was like a freaking mouthful. Instead of just calling it the WWE title, they had to say WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Like, you know, so yeah, I would not put it past them for to be the WWE Universal Championship. I, I really. Really oh, th- think it's possible. The WWE World Universal Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, it's got to be. It's got to be something so dramatic God, and long for no God. reason. All right, dude. Let's get into all this aftermath that happened post Rumble because it, it really came out of left field. I'm gonna be honest with you. For me, it's still kind of hard to believe because I don't think I've ever heard a negative story from Shane McMahon. Ever, ever, ever. I don't think I've ever heard anything negative about Shane. And this story, every day that passes by, it's like more news is coming out on what happened the day of the Rumble. It's like TMZ. It's like it's like a weird Kanye West story that just continues getting worse and worse every single day. It's like, Shane? Shane McMahon? When, okay, prior to this whole craziness with Shane, have you ever heard anything negative about Shane? Ever? No, no, I mean, but besides the, you know, the fact that like years ago when he left, he wanted nothing to do with WWE and stuff like that. But but that wasn't even negative. People were giving him props that he wanted nothing to do with WWE. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I'm just saying like he had, I know he had problems with Vince and everything and the way things were operating and running and stuff like that. But other than that, yeah, I have not heard, you know, much about him. Listen, I didn't even know. Apparently he was, apparently he's been producing the Rumble matches for years. That I, mean, I didn't know. That's news to me. That that I didn't know. I I didn't know that in recent years he's always been involved with the rumble matches, like playing maybe not the head producer, but he has been involved with booking the rumble. That I didn't know. That I didn't. So, like, but like, my question is why? I, I, <laughs> so he produced. He helped produce no other match. Uh, all throughout the calendar year, but he, he comes around once a year to book the Rumble. Like, well, that makes no sense to me. I guess so why one, he even involved it, in? Like, I, why can't you just keep it to the regular producers that produce all the matches and, and, and things like that? I, I don't guess, understand. I guess it's a situation where Vince, in his mind, it's it's a situation where all hands is on deck. I, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I get it, yeah. All right, so okay, let's kind of just break down, all right? And you correct me if I'm wrong when, when I – because I don't want to go exactly in all detail, but I'm going to kind of give you cliff notes on what the hell happened with Shane. So apparently it's been reported by so many fucking dirt sheets. The first dirt sheet that reported, and I was like, okay, this is fake news, was Ringside News. And there, to me, they are not a credible source. But then all these other different people like Fightful, The Wrestling Observer, Wade Keller from PW Torch started, like, adding more to it. And I'm like, okay, there's got to be some truth behind this. So apparently, Shane show up, showed up at, at the Rumble to produce the Rumble. But also, 
he kind of took liberties for himself in the sense like he was trying to book himself strong in the Rumble. He kept on making like booking ideas and butting heads with JB Noble and acting like erratic and obnoxious and just rubbing people the wrong way. Now, this is all rumored. Also, I, I, read, I read, actually, I think I might have heard it on the podcast, where they didn't go, they didn't want to accuse him, but they also, they, they kind of made the assumption that Shane, because of how he was acting that day, they made it seem like he could be on something, all right? And now uh, you could take that for what it's worth, especially with, like, acting erratic and, and sweating for no apparent reason. So you could take that for, for what it's worth. And apparently there was also an issue with Bad Bunny, where... Shane had, like, a booking idea, and it was going to change kind of, like, Bad Bunny's, like, uh, booking in the Rumble match or, or something like that. It was, like, all convoluted. And then you have all these different reports. At one point, it was supposed to be Shane and, and Seth Rollins for the world title. I don't know how that was going to even happen. He was supposed to be booked at the Elimination Chamber, but Shane was also pushing for, for an Austin Theory match. It's, like, just so many, so much convoluted bullshit coming out of this, that's why me as a fan, it's kind of hard to believe any of this. Like, I, I don't know. It just doesn't sound like Shane. It sounds more like Vince. Then there's also reports coming out like Vince allowing Shane to kind of have some say in what happened in the Rumble with just a father kind of uh, taking care of his son. And then it, it started kind of making me think also, like, wait a minute. So everything that we saw, at, at, at every, anything we see in WWE, okay, it's Vince approved, right? So whatever yeah. didn't go well in the Rumble, Vince approved it. So I think there was right. another report where when Shane's music hit, that wasn't supposed to be Shane's music. It was supposed to be Randy Orton to come out. And then Randy told Shane, like, I'm not going out there coming out to your music, so you better go out there. So apparently the numbers got switched. Shane was supposed to come out in Randy's spot, and Randy was supposed to come out in Shane's spot, but they played the wrong music. So the, there, there's another. I don't think is a big deal. Like I, I don't, I don't really understand that report. Right. Of like, oh, Rand, Randy said, oh, I'm not coming out to your music. Yeah, well, no shit. Randy right. Orton's not just gonna walk out to here comes the money. Like, so I didn't understand that. I don't really think that was a big deal. But mm. yeah, I, so it, it's just, it just, it's like a lot of like confusion to me. And I've never heard any anyone say anything negative about Shane. So it kind of made me also think about. You remember the current call, like when everyone broke character and they all went. It was a, the final uh, show where Nash and Hall, you know, Razor Ramon and Diesel were contracted by the WWF and then they were going out to WCW and they did the current call where they broke kayfabe and it was like heels yeah. and faces sharing yeah. the ring together, whatever. You know, people sometimes tend to forget that Vince approved that. Now, granted, it was just a live show, but Vince approved all that to happen. Yeah, rubbed the boys the wrong way. People were pissed off. Shawn Michaels, he was a champion. He was untouchable. So Triple H ended up getting all the heat. But Vince approved all that. Everything that happened in that ring, Vince approved. Just like everything that happened with Shane. Vince approved it. So is there something deeper there that we're not understanding? Maybe Shane, I don't know. Maybe Shane wanted out. I, I, and this is me going conspiracy theory here. I, I don't. It's just. It's just weird to me why Shane all of a sudden all these reports are coming out where it makes Shane come out like in a bad light. Like we've never heard one negative story about Shane ever 
now all of a sudden this comes out, it just doesn't add up to me. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever. What do you think about all this? Yeah, I agree, man. I don't really know what to think. I mean, you know, listen, we're not backstage. And I know that a lot of people, like credible sources, like you said, Sean Rossaps and the Dave Meltzers and, uh, you know, Wade Kellers and stuff were reporting this. And, you know, I usually believe everything they say, so I have no reason not to. But, you know, we're not back there and we don't know for sure what went on, you know? I mean, there's reports that, oh, you know, a lot of the boys in the back, you know, they said morale is really low. They've never seen Shane like this, and they just they were getting pissed off at him and things like that. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's really hard to to, to think. Uh, you know, like like what do you want to believe? Like, like I don't really know. I don't know what to make of this. I just feel like you know. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, maybe he was just fed up with the with the way things were, and and maybe he just wanted a bigger role. Clearly, and uh, I don't think he. I mean, I'm not going to speculate that he was on any drugs or anything like that. I mean, listen, Shane McMahon. If you go back and watch his matches from, you know, these past few years at WrestleManias and stuff, um, he typically sweats a lot in the ring. He does. Uh, I don't know. I just I, it, I don't really think that was anything out of the ordinary. Um, and I feel like you'd be able to t- or they would be able to tell if he was really on some sort of drugs and mm-hmm. stuff. They were obviously wouldn't put him in a match and things like that. Um, you know, so I, I, I mean, listen, I don't know. I really can't even tell you. But. Like you said, maybe he did want out. Uh, maybe, you know, this... I mean, like I said, I'm not going to say he intentionally did this, but the, be- the the best part that came out of this was that Vince came to his senses and said, listen, I can't have you around anymore. He sent them home. And now, honestly, I'm sure this is going to be like years ago when Shane took a hiatus. I don't think we'll see Shane McMahon around WWE for a long time, if not, you know, ever again. And I, I-, I think, obviously, ever again, that's, you know... That's ridiculous because I'm sure he's always going to be tied to the WWE in some way. But um, I really do feel like this was the end end of him for a long, long time. He's just going to go off and do whatever the hell he wants to do. And uh, yeah, just uh, just a crazy situation. I mean, it just seems like it was a it was a complete mess. But of course, we don't know for sure. So I, I really don't know what to make of it. You know, you know, if, if we look at the timeline, Shane and WWE has always had a rocky relationship, and this is yes. going back to like. You know, in the early 2000s, when WWF purchased WCW, in Shane's mind, he really wanted to compete with his father and run WCW. Obviously, that fell through with the whole Buff Bagwell Booker T match that happened on Raw that just ended up a total mess. And then Vince called an auto bone and was like, no, we're not doing this. We're just going to do an angle out of it where they did the whole invasion angle. And then the rebirth of ECW or WWE, ECW. You know, Shane, people forget that Shane had a, a take in that too. He wanted to be involved with the rebirth of ECW, and unfortunately, that didn't happen either. Then Shane took a hiatus. We didn't see Shane for years. Um, whether you call it burnout or butting heads with his father or who knows, we don't know. I think, um, what are the chances we see Shane pop up somewhere else? I'm not going to say AEW or anything like that, but uh, what, what are the chances of Shane being involved in the wrestling world in some other type of capacity. And I don't mean necessarily a, a, a wrestling promotion. Who knows? Maybe he does a podcast with Conrad. What are the chances of Shane doing another venture in wrestling, but just not under the WWE banner? Um, a podcast or something like that? Sure. Um, as far as going to another company, uh, very unlikely. I don't think that would happen. I don't think... Uh, listen, and the only other, let's be honest, so the only other company that you would go to is AEW. I mean, come on, that's the one that's competing. I'm hoping to see Shane McMahon and Tournament Survival in GCW. (laughs) Yeah, 
ass. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, <laughs> I can't even tell you I can see him doing a GCW. I really don't. But hold on, wait. Isn't that the GCW thing to do? Especially after what we saw at the Hammerstein? What would you What would you do if all of a sudden GCW is like breaking news? Shane, Shane McMahon comes to GCW. You see the GCW graphic there. Dude, I don't know, man. That would be a sight to see, man. That would absolutely be a freaking sight for for everybody's eyes. And he just starts roll, running out like he's doing doing the thing, you know, thing he usually does. He, oh my god, that would be freaking wild. But, I, I, listen, I I'm all for Shane McMahon doing a death match. I'm sorry. Oh, me too. Me too. Absolutely. I I take good money. There I will be there front death. row, just like yeah. Moxley and Nick Gage for Shane McMahon in a death match. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I just, I just don't feel like Shane cares that much, right? Um, and or has any interest in doing anything because I, I just don't feel like. I mean, he, I'm sure he has passion for the business, but I don't think he has that much passion for it. Where he's going to go to a lower tier indie like GCW and kill himself in a death match when he's a freaking McMahon. He does not need to do that. So I do not see him going anywhere else. I, honestly, I don't see him being involved in wrestling in any in any okay. capacity. I, okay. I, I'll be honest, I really don't. Uh, a boy could dream. A boy could dream. <laughs> oh man, listen, would I love to see it? Absolutely. I I don't think. Uh, I don't know. Listen, man, Stranger Things has happened in wrestling. Um, right, you're right. So anything could happen in 2022. Anything so. could happen. And, you know, people forget, you know, Shane was a big ECW guy, man. And what's the modern day ECW right now? GCW. Um, so who knows? Who knows? But, you know, so one could dream. All right, let's move on to some AEW stuff. Dude, Punk and MJF this past week. I thought this was Punk's best match to date. And. Regardless of what you thought of the shenanigans, you know, on, on how MJF won, the right guy went over it, and I'm okay with that. A hometown hero losing in his hometown, I think that's a great story. That's a great story being told, and I don't necessarily think the story's over yet. Uh, what you thought of this match? I think they went to two commercial breaks. Yeah, I thought it was incredible, man. I really enjoyed it. I thought they worked perfectly together, and this was... Uh... Yeah, I, I think this is Punk's best best match back to date, and this is just goes to show, man, that Punk still's got it, man. If you, if anybody was ever doubting the fact that he he could still go in the ring, man, this match absolutely should have opened your eyes and said, yeah, listen, like this guy, he's obviously, you know, it's again, it's like riding a bike, like you haven't done it in a while, but you hop right back on that thing, you know, you, you know how to do it. So this match just proved that for me. Uh, really, just showed how good Punk truly is, and I loved everything that happened from MJF. Uh, choking him out uh, with the you know with the, the chain or whatever it was um, mm -hmm. that he had or his piece of his tape or something like that whatever whatever he used and then you know uh, obviously a lot of people probably knew like yeah it can't end this way it was like at nine thirty I think so you still had a whole yep. half hour left of the show I saw uh, that but, when when the intro's happening I'm like wait a minute it's not even nine thirty yet are they gonna give us like a forty five minute classic <laughs> right yeah exactly exactly and hey I I was I was super stoked about it though because I I just thought. With the way this feud has been going, with how hot it's been going, give it enough time. If yeah. you're not going to put this on pay-per-view and you're going to put it on regular TV, then give it the proper amount of time. You know, it couldn't go 15, 20 minutes. It, it kind of needed to go at least a half hour. It, I think it went longer than that. But um, like I said, no complaints on my part. But the whole storyline of him winning the first time and then the ref sees, you know, the, 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 the piece of tape or whatever it was that he choked him out with, the match restarts. And then MJF still wins in the end. Like, oh, dude, I, I loved it, man. I, I could have sworn it was going to end with Wardlow turning on MJF to have Punk beat um, MJF, but I'm glad they went this yeah, route. Yeah, me too. Instead. Me too. It continues the story. Yep. You know, he hits him with the with the diamond ring that Wardlow gives him. And, uh, yeah, I think they'll run it back at, at the Revolution pay-per-view, and maybe there'll be a stipulation 
Um, but yeah, I just I just don't think it's over yet. I, I it, it's kind of it, it would be a little weird if it did after all these months of build up and how hot the storyline is angle has been for it to just have one match involved and then that's it. Like and then you just move on. I just feel like they need to have another match, uh, you know, to kind of solidify this. And, and listen, I, you know, they'll probably, when they have another match, I'm sure Punk will go over. But, dude, I would have MJF go over again. You know, um, so a, a couple things I want to talk about this match. One is, you know, MJF, you know, him being a snarky heel that he is, that's another just another feather to his cap that he could say, I didn't only beat you once, I beat you twice. So he could say yep. that because he's a heel. CM Punk twice in one in night. one night. He could yep. say that. And also, though, I'm glad that the Warlow and MJF story continues to build because we don't need to see Warlow turn yet, especially with his facial reactions and when he looks at MJF in disgust, but he still is working for him, so he's still helping MJF. You can still tell that Warlow, it's, he's not agreeing with how MJF is moving. So I love just the little things about that, just how Warlow is just a disapproval about this whole thing, but he's still doing it anyway. Yeah, like, you just don't know when, when that turn's gonna come. Like, we know it's coming, but we just don't know when. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna come, I feel like, when we least expect it. Yes. I love that. Yeah, me too, man, me too. I, I think they run this match back at Revolution. Kind of like what you said, you know, you can make the argument maybe MJF should go over again, or maybe Punk goes over due to Warlow. Maybe there's not necessarily yeah. a turn... But maybe there's a miscommunication between Warlow and MJF, and that further continues telling that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could totally see that, and that would be okay because you know that would you know if, if you're gonna have Punk over MJF, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, I want to take it a week back. Uh, we got this incredible ladder match. I actually put this match on my list, and I also put MJF and yep. Punk in my list as well. Sammy yep. Guevara, Cody Rhodes for the undisputed um, TNT Championship. What an incredible ladder match, bro. Going into it, I thought the match was going to be good. I, I, I didn't think, like, otherwise. But, man, this match blew the roof off the fucking venue, dude. Um, There were so many incredible spots. And that uh springboard to the ladder cutter from Sammy Guevara to, to Cody. I've never seen something like that, ever. Dude, it was flawless, bro. It was absolute perfection from Sammy. I... I... I couldn't stop watching it on Twitter, like the replay of it, and um, you Insane. know, a couple of people were gifting it or gifting it, whatever you call it, yeah. and uh, you know, in slow motion. And man, it is a freaking thing of beauty. Also, shout out to the two refs, um, Paul Turner and uh, Aubrey Edwards Aubrey too. Edwards, they yeah. were holding that yep. ladder down, which obviously made that move a hell of a lot easier for Sammy because he didn't have to worry about slipping off the ladder yep. or anything like that. They held it pretty sturdy, uh, which was awesome. And man, Cody just sold it beautifully yes. too. Like credit to Cody Rhodes. Like the whole entire thing looked absolutely beautiful. Uh, it, it's got to be the best cutter I've ever seen. Like it really has to be. Uh, the ladder match was great. I'm glad that Sammy G went over. Now, the, you know, they're teasing the inner circle breakup that we're going to get. We're going to get, like, a summit next week. I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, but, man, Sammy G, dude, um, if he continues this run that he's on right now, you know, I think it's safe to say that he'll probably make our top ten list of, of wrestlers of the year because, Jesus Christ, uh, the dude is next level. He is next Crap. level. And not only that, he's, he's not only next level in the ring, but he has – he has charisma. He could talk in the yeah. mic. So he's not like someone like Ricochet, and this is no disrespect to Ricochet, that is just only good in the ring, but we don't give a shit about him because we just can't connect with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. This guy could yeah. actually do everything that Ricochet does and could talk in the mic. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Listen, Sammy G is 
the real freaking deal, man. Do you remember that uh, indie promotion that ran um, for a while called Wrestle Circus? Yeah, man, Wrestle Circus. I think that was down in Austin, Texas. Yes, yeah. Sammy G, obviously, being down from Texas, he was like one of their top stars. I remember watching those shows, and this guy always stood out to me, man. Sammy Guevara, Sammy Guevara. And this is, uh, I, I discovered Wrestle Circus, I think, 2017. I was watching it a lot, and 2018, and then they went on a hiatus, and I guess they, they ultimately the, the closed shop or whatever. Um, but I enjoyed those shows, and Sammy G always stood out to me. So I've known about Sammy Guevara ever since watching that uh, indie. And just to see how good he's got, how, how much better he's gotten. I mean, like, it, he was really good back then, but just to see him put on these yeah. types of level of performances on live television in a top company like AEW, it's so incredible, man. Like, like this guy is... he. He legit is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. I mean, you really can't I even agree. deny that. Even, you know, uh, that other spot where he, like, did that Jeff Hardy, like, swanton yep. off the ladder. On and the, the ladder outside. didn't break? Oh, <laughs> my goodness, man. The freaking uh, credit to Cody, too. And he also, again, credit to Sammy because it takes two to tango. Yes. That crossroads, man, off the, those two ladders, too, looked incredible. I just think it, the whole entire thing was flawless. And very rarely, I mean, I don't even think, really, if ever, I've seen Sammy Guevara botch a move because he is just so he's like a Ray Phoenix, man. Like everything yeah. he does is so smooth and slick. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm so happy he won. Um, and dude, he, like I said, the legend of Sammy Guevara continues, man. He, he is, you know, he talked about the four pillars of AEW, man. You can make a case that this guy is going to be the best one. If it, you know, if, if, I mean, who knows in some people's eyes, he could already be the best one yeah. out of the four, but I think you know, like I said, this this the sky is the freaking limit for this guy. I really, really believe he could someday be AEW World Champ. He's just so good. I, I can't say enough good things about him. I really can't. I love Huge that you. Fan. I love that you made the comparison between Ray Phoenix and Sammy Guevara because you know I think Sammy Guevara could be in that discussion of guys like a Ray Phoenix, like a Bandito, like a Kota Ibushi. I think you could make that argument with Sammy Guevara with with his. Work in the ring is it, it, just spotless and next level. Yeah, dude. Like I said, he, he's you can't tell me like you, you, people don't watch him and, and are in awe of the things he could do. Like it, it's just it's it's incredible. He's the type of guy that if I'm showing a new fan who, who has like no interest in wrestling or has never watched wrestling before, and I'm like you know like if I'm like you know somebody says oh like show me a match or show me a wrestler that I should look out for, Sammy G is a guy that I would say look watch his matches, especially that ladder match. But any of his matches, too, just watch this guy. And immediately, I bet anybody who's not a fan would become a fan. Because that's like that's how good he is. Yeah, I agree a 1,000%, dude. All right, let's talk about something else that's happening in AEW. And we got a, kind of a tease of it. Um, what could potentially happen, they could go so many different ways. And that's his Brian Danielson and John Moxley program. I, I think we all first thought that, okay, we're going to get a feud here, all right? Especially with Brian just kind of, like, lurking in the back every time Moxley would have a match or post-match, you know, you'd see Brian show up or just looking at him backstage or whatever. But then Brian completely went left and was like, we need to be together and kind of build a faction here. And it kind of made me think of, like, what Brian's trying to do is kind of build his version of, like, uh, Catchpoint. Catchpoint used to be the stable back in Evolve, which would be, be like Matt Riddle, Freddie A. High, Chris Dickinson, TJP, where, where guys that were like hybrid performers or whatever, they would mix like the MMA style or have another type of hyper type like work technique in the ring. And that's kind of what I thought, especially with some of the names they started mentioning, like Lee Moriarty, or Wheeler Yuta, and what was the other guy that he mentioned? He mentioned another one. Um, who was the other person he mentioned? Garcia. 
Daniel Garcia. So I started thinking of that. I'm like, is he kind of trying to make his own version of like a catch point or like a foundation? You know, Jay Lethal with Jonathan Grisham. That's what I instantly got. Like, maybe that's the type of stable he's trying to make. Or maybe this is all a tease where maybe Brian already has this stable in the works and then they all turn on, Mo on Moxley. Either direction they go here, I'm in for it. What, what do you think about this? Yeah, I don't think this is something that's imminent, like that's going to happen like any time in the next few weeks or, or months or whatever. I just feel like this just is going to play into the story to how we get Brian and, and Mox, where you know Brian wants to team with Mox and then Mox is going to say no. He wants to fight him instead, this and that, and that's how we're going to get that match. But I do think Brian's saying this for a reason because I do feel like he has pitched this idea to Tony and I feel like he obviously loves and admires some of these younger guys because I'm sure they remind him a lot of a younger him. Right. Um, and so I'm sure, like, you know, remember when uh, this was towards the end of Brian's run, he was, like, uh, mentoring Drew Gulak. Right, and there, were, and there was even teases of that, like, because I think right. at one point they, they even tried to, like, recruit Matt Riddle, like, into, like, their little group, and it was like, hey, they're going to make their own version of Catchpoint. That's what I thought, and obviously they didn't do that, but still. Yeah, right. Well, I, I definitely think somewhere down the line we'll see Brian working with these young guys for sure. I, I just don't think People are thinking, oh, this is going to happen, like, right now or, like, next week right, or, like, right, a month. Right. Like, I don't think it's imminent or anything, but I do think Brian brings it up because he has pitched that idea. So I do think down the line we're going to see that. Similar to, like, what Matt Hardy's doing. He's mentoring private party yep. and things like that. Uh, Leo Rush, well, obviously he's not there anymore, but he was uh, mentoring Dante Martin and things like that. So I do feel like, you know, eventually we're going to get something like that. Um, but I just feel like right now. It's kind of just like how they're going to play in, how they're going to get to this match between him and Mox. Because r realistically, like, how are they going to, I understand that those two were going to have a match together before all, all that stuff happened with Mox. Right. But, like, how how are they going to set up that match randomly? You can't just have, you know, you're not just going to have Bryan come out and say, oh, I want a match with you. Okay, oh, uh, yeah, let, let's do it. Like, you kind of have to have some story there. So I guess this is what they're rolling with. Kind of how Jericho, remember the inner circle wanted Mox to join them, and then obviously Mox didn't do it, and that's how he got to that match. I just feel like that's how it's going to play out, and maybe they're going to get people thinking, oh, Mox and Brian are going to team, and this and that, and then ultimately Mox is going to turn, and he's going to be like, nah, I want to fight you instead. So, uh, listen, <laughs> they, they, and you know what? being they, a group is right. very exciting, especially with guys like Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty, and, and guys like that. They could they could also go in two different directions as well. You know, you just mentioned one version. They could go in another direction where they do start as, as a group or whatever, but then they're butting heads on, like, who's, like, the alpha, and that leads to the feud. Or maybe they beat the shit out of each other of, of like, maybe a trilogy of matches, and then that's when they gain respect for each other, and then they start something. They could go in that direction as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, either or, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Like I said, one way or another, it's obviously going to lead to these two, probably at Revolution, I would think. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, however they get there, I'm all in, bro. But, uh, you know, I'm, obviously, you know, Mox looks up to Brian a lot, too. This is not even yep. kayfabe. He, he's said in interviews that he's... And in his know, book, he, his book as he, well. Yes, yeah. Uh, I actually just finished reading that. That that it was it was tremendous. Yo, I, really I, was, I was just it. I was just I'm like halfway through because I, I just been so busy that I haven't. So yesterday I, I caught up in it. I'm like halfway through the book. It, it's so good, it's so good. Yeah, well that's what I've been doing too with that, with not having much to do and every everything. Mm -hmm. I've had this book ever since November, ever since it came out. I, right, I've had it, but I just never really had time throughout the holidays and things like that. But now I have time, so I was uh you know I was just like listen I'm gonna dive into this and it's just really really enjoyable and and Mox really it's like again you see him on tv and you know how like kind of like socially awkward he is yeah. sometimes and stuff like that but like 
it, it's cool to just see him kind of open up and talk about all these different things and his experiences and stuff. So um, if you're listening to this and you haven't read it or you, if you have the book, you haven't started it yet, I to. definitely highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's really, really good stuff. He, he, he um, has but, a chapter yeah. just dedicated to sandwiches. That's the kind of guy yeah. this guy is. Dude, bro. I know. I do. It, it, bro, <laughs> the fact that he takes a sandwich <laughs> making so serious and he even had diagrams. He did. Book. He, had, he explained how to do a perfect sandwich, how to build a perfect... There's an art form to building sandwiches. I fucking love Moxie. He's great. Dude, he's, he's incredible. <laughs> uh, but what I, what I was saying was, like, Brian really... I mean, Mox really looks up to Brian. He thinks Brian's the best wrestler in the world. So I'm sure he's wanted this match for a yeah. long time, too. So I just feel like uh, this is this is going to be special when, yeah. when these two throw I agree. I agree 1,000%. One last thing on AEW, and I don't know if you have much thoughts about this, but... Um, you know, we got to mention it. Moxley ended up facing Wheeler Yuta on AEW Dynamite, but that wasn't the original plan. It was, it, I won't say it broke the internet, but people went crazy for it. We got the graphic. It was, put, you know, posted on AEW social medias, and that was John Moxley was going to face Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick asked for his release as, a, I believe, like a producer or a trainer in WWE, and he got his release, granted it, and then we were going to get this match. It seemed, for the most part, part uh, most of the IWC were excited about this match, and and then, I don't know what happened Wednesday, some things started coming out where Brian Kedrick said some conspiracy, you know, some anti-Semitic uh, opinions and views. He said it in a shoot interview back in 2010, 2011, if I'm not mistaken. It kind of resurfaced. I don't know why all of a sudden it would resurface now. It, it was already out there. And then um, the match got, you know, grand opening, grand closing. Do you have any thoughts about any of this? Uh, not really, and I don't really want to uh, go into it because I just feel like he doesn't deserve this type of attention. Obviously, what he said was gross, disgusting. It's just another example of somebody out there that just really, like, like with a platform like him, and okay, he's not the, the world's most popular wrestler, but listen, right. he's, he's, he's at that status where it's like, you know, he's built himself a good career in wrestling and everything, and he's, you know, it's it just like he has a platform that's bigger than anybody else, and the fact that he can, he thinks he can just go on record and say these things, and mm-hmm. and thinks that it's okay, and thinks right. that you know, oh, like he won't get canceled for any of this stuff. I mean, like it's just mind boggling to me, you know. Like it really, really is mind boggling. And you know, this is just another example too of like, you know, obviously this was going to be a big match for him, a big moment, you know, being with AEW. I'm sure they would have signed him. Whether mm-hmm. I did not need to see Brian Kendrick a part of the roster, but I'm sure the mark that Tony is, he's probably like, oh, Brian Kendrick's a great wrestler. I gotta sign him. Uh, so I'm sure you would have signed with the company, and it's just it's like it's always so funny how people dig up this type yeah. of stuff when somebody's about to have a big moment mm-hmm. or a match or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Because uh, he was in WWE for a while, and I didn't even know he was still contracted in WWE. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, they didn't know about this. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I remember reading from reading the Young Bucks book. I think he's tight with the Bucks. So if I had to take a wild guess. I feel like, yeah, he probably, if this wouldn't have happened, I feel like he would have done the match and then maybe taken, like, a backstage role, maybe as, like, a producer As a something. producer, that, yeah. Because, well, he saw he's tight with Brian, too. Yeah, he's tight with Brian as well. See, so, I agree with you 1,000% that what he said was disgusting. I don't agree with it. He shouldn't have ever said it or whatever. But my, my issue with cancel culture is I feel like in a lot of times it does more damage than good. I feel like some people do deserve to be canceled and they shouldn't be seen in the line of uh, a day. But at the same time, I also feel like people evolve and have room to grow and become better individuals. And I'm not saying necessarily just in Brian's case, hey, he got caught, he got exposed. But this shit was already out there. It's not like it, it was right. a 
it's not like this is brand news to people or whatever. It's like, you know, you know how many times do we see like on TMZ or whatever, like a comedian said like kind of like a racial joke like 15 years ago and they come after that person now. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. You know, yeah. and we live in different times. Like time progresses. And I feel like if we're so quick to quote unquote cancel someone, I think we should also be willing to kind of give people the opportunity to either learn from that experience and grow as a person or maybe they redeem themselves a, a certain way. Brian did go, uh, he did do an uh, apology or whatever, and people had mixed feelings about it. Some people say, like, okay, it seemed like a sincere apology. Other people say, like, oh, the reason he did the apology is because all this stuff resur resurfaced. But I'm like, the stuff was already out there. It's not like it resurfaced, like, popped out of nowhere and it never right. existed. No, the shoot interview exists. He said this, what, 2010, 2011? That's what, only 10, 12 years ago. And so, to me, something that came out of 2010 is fairly new. It's not old news. The way I look at it is, I'm not necessarily saying Brian Kendrick is canceled, but like if he really feels bad on what he said, or he, or he claiming that he said he doesn't have those views anymore, whatever it is that he said, I think while cancel culture is so quick to canceling someone or whatever, maybe not everyone. So I want to make that clear. I'm not saying everyone. But we should also be willing to give people second chances and opportunities to kind of redeem themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Listen, I I agree 100%. People, you know, deserve second chances. I mean, look at all the people, you know, uh, just in life in general, like, that have done something so terrible and they've gotten second chances. Right. Specifically, you know, I'm thinking of people like a Michael Vick, for yeah. example. Yeah, you know, with yeah. the dogfighting and stuff. He, he did his time in jail, mm -hmm. and then he came out, and then he still played in the NFL, and yeah. people, I guess, forgave him. Because, listen, he, he, you know, you do the crime, you do the time, yeah. that's it. Robert Downey Brian Jr. Kendrick. Look at Robert Downey Jr. Yes, exactly. Another great example. Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, Brian Kendrick's obviously not going to go to jail for this. Right. But you know what? If he goes to do sensitivity training or whatever, like, you know, after Sammy Guevara, remember what he said about Sasha Banks, and, mm -hmm. and uh, he was canceled for a little bit. He went to sensitivity training. He was gone for like a month and then came back, and now everybody forgot about that. Listen, yeah, I mean, you know, people can change, and obviously it was years ago. Maybe he has changed since Brian Kendrick, you know? I mean, maybe, obviously, you know, he's a more sincere person, and he's not as immature as, as maybe he was in 2010 or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, it just seems like for right now, he's he's not he's going to go away for a while. But, right. yeah, I just don't necessarily think he should just, uh, you know, I mean, his whole entire career and everything should just be canceled because of this, you know? And this is not even... Like, this is still pretty bad. I mean, listen, yeah, his, of course. his opinion, like, he shouldn't have opened his mouth. But also, too, he didn't sexually uh, abuse any women or anything. Like, like he, he didn't, like, he didn't get canceled. Like, a Joey Ryan got canceled, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. There's different levels to these type of things. You know, like what Tommy Dreamer said about Ric Flair and things like that. So, like, while it was really bad, I just feel like it's not as bad as, like, some other, like, people who got canceled yeah uh again it doesn't make it right but mm -hmm. i do think yeah i mean listen with a little bit of uh, i guess you know reflecting and 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 really learning from this experience you know maybe he'll land back on his feet we'll see him in a couple of years again who knows but right. um but yeah it's just like i said the timing of it you can never make it up man how yeah. people just dig the stuff up right yeah. before somebody's big moments you know it, it's just it's that's the way well, that's the world we live in nowadays yeah, people are so quick, um, whether they're doing it for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons, just to mess somebody up. But, you know, I, I feel like people just have too much time on their hands, man, to, to just be worrying about someone else's life. It just, no, 100%. It, it, it's, 100%. Yeah. Like, why, yeah, like, why are people worried 
like I said, people got nothing better to do than dig yeah. up dirt on freaking Brian Kendrick. Bro, I would not even think twice about <laughs> looking up anything about Brian Kendrick. Okay, I mean, let's put aside that I have I have more of a life than some people. But even if so, I would somebody I hated, bro. Right. Pro wrestling, I, hated, I would never think to dig right. up some dirt. I mean, what do you even find this stuff? Like exactly. Like, what do you go on Google and type in like? Things Brian Kendrick did that has done that's fucked up. Or like, oh, how do you Google this? Like, how do you find this right. shit? <laughs> right, yeah, I, I do. I don't even know where to begin. I feel like nine times out of ten people that, that find this dirt or whatever, it's got to be like on Reddit or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably the, the most likely place for sure. So if you want to screw people's lives, let's just go on Reddit. You'll find all your information there. <laughs> yeah, totally. I want to get into GCW, but before we get into the GCW, I want to mention Matt Cardona real quick. He recently won the Impact Digital Media Championship, so congrats to him. He has two titles now. He's the undisputed internet champion. Dude, he's doing the best work of his career, and next week, he has a big match versus Trevor Murdoch for the NWA World Championship, and I've been on a on a campaign, if you haven't noticed, on Lucha Outsiders, IG. He needs, Matt Cardona can make NWA great again, and I think they need to strap that world title on him. Dude, absolutely, man. They, they'd be stupid not to put that belt on him right now, <laughs> especially a company like NWA that needs a buzz, needs some sort of spark. Right. I, mean, I think he could do stupid. it. I think Matt Cardona could do it. Absolutely, 100%. My money's on him. Yeah, me too, man. F- fucking Matt Cardona. And, and by the way, shout out to Impact. Yo, their, their weekly TV product has been really fucking good, man. I've been enjoying it since, like, Hard to Kill. Their, their weekly show has been fucking top-notch. I've really been enjoying their program. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Listen, I, I, I always said, man, their pay-per-views are great. They got a lot of buzz coming off the pay-per-views. They just got to keep the momentum rolling with with the TV tapings mm-hmm. and stuff, too. So, yeah. So, good for them. All right, dude. Let's talk about GCW. Oh, man. So many thoughts here, bro. It's <laughs> so many fucking thoughts here. Okay. Overall, the the historical value of what the show was... I thought was great. You know, just seeing that environment there. It, like, me being at the show, and you was there, obviously, too. We, we saw each other a couple times throughout the night. I feel like that was the closest thing for me being, like, at an ECW show. Like, it felt like an ECW show. In, in many ways, good or bad, it kind of felt like an ECW tribute show. And and, and I'll explain that as, a, as we kind of break down on what happened in the show. In that aspect, I'm glad I was there. I enjoyed myself, like I thought it was an entertaining night, but I felt like GCW and company, shout out to Brett Lauderdale, alright, they didn't do what brought them to the dance, okay, they, it didn't, it felt too much like GCWWE, does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. They... Some matches were good, and then some matches were just like, eh. um, the latter match was a complete disaster. I thought all the guys worked their ass off, you know, Jordan Oliver, AJ Gray, Tony Deppin, Jimmy Lloyd, G Raver, but it, that match was a disaster. And when you're opening up a pay per view, and I understand there was two pre show matches that were on YouTube, and and there was a one was a battle royal, and then the other one was I believe was like a a, a, a scramble match. But when you start off a pay-per-view, like this is beyond Fight TV. Yes, the, the, the show was on Fight TV, but now you're also on cable pay-per-view. When you start the show and the show starts with no entrances, it just starts up with all the guys in the ring. And it's just like a big clusterfuck. And that's like the opening match of like a casual viewer that doesn't understand GCW or probably never seen GCW before. Because you know you have a lot of people that 
that I saw like Jarrett was going to be on there and John Moxley was going to be on there and Ruby Soho was going to be on there. I was like, oh, okay, let me check out this pay-per-view out. Then probably never watch ECW. And then that's how you start the show with. And unfortunately, the match is a disaster. You kind of already setting the tone of like a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. It, it, uh, listen, when I saw the, the ladder match was opening, I was like, oh, great. Like, this is one of the, the matches I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I thought he was really going to deliver. And like you said, a lot of the guys worked their ass off, so kudos to them. But I just feel like they tried to do too much. They, they tried to do too many crazy high spots. Uh, some that were just like beyond ridiculous that like to me just did not seem realistic enough you know like I, I just when you see like you know AJ Gray for example going up onto that ladder and obviously completely I mean I would, I'm not even say he jumped off the ladder he freaking fell off that goddamn thing he, I thought he, like, he was gonna rolled die. he but, rolled coming down the ladder he rolled but, yeah but like what was he even trying to do like he's up there right and, and you could tell like well you know because i i mean you could tell where you were sitting too i feel like everybody could have seen this uh like i was like on the floor level so i had like a good view of it he's climbing on top of this giant ass ladder and his footing like his feet are like his legs are like trembling like he's not sturdy on this thing whatsoever like it looks like he just doesn't know what to do looks like he didn't rehearse this looks like this is his first time ever climbing a ladder in his life and he's and he's trying to get his footing up there and he just never had it he never actually got comfortable on top of there and then i guess he figured in his head wow i'm taking a long time for this it's a little embarrassing let me just freaking jump well he did but since he didn't have his footing he didn't jump that far he he basically fell into the ring and my goodness like what a terrible landing on the way down. I'm sure he felt like absolute garbage. I know he was, you know, like he was making fun of, uh, of himself on Twitter and, and just making light of the situation. But my goodness, man, was that just a complete flop and a mess. And this is the type of shit, too, where it's like, I don't I don't like Jim Cornette anyway. I think he shits on the business way too much. And it says things sometimes uh, that are just like totally like just unbelievable. And obviously wrestling has passed him by. But this is the stuff where I would agree with him uh, with. Like, why are these guys trying to kill themselves in these ways? Like, for what, you know? And it just looks so sloppy. And it looks like too much of like a mud law. Uh, whatever Jim Cornette, however he describes it. Uh, 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 outlaw mud show. Outlaw mud show, yeah. yeah like, and, like, that's where I agree with him. Because this just, like I said, they, they had so many talented guys in this match. And again... They just tried to do way too much, and there was a lot of botches. It was just very, very sloppy. And like you said, once you start the show in that type of way, I guess it can't get any worse. But it, And I'm not saying it got worse, but like it just did not get that much better either. Oh. <laughs> I'm laughing because it, it, it hurts me. It, it hurts me because... I know, I know. I, 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 listen, I love GCW, and I still love GCW. I, I, listen, I'm going... Going to Atlantic City in two weeks or whatever, and I know you got love for GCW too, but we got to call a spade a spade here. And you know, you you, you mentioned the whole um, Jim Cornette calling it like an outlaw mud show. Here's the difference between a GCW and an AEW, where in their ladder match later on that week, they had the referees holding the ladders yes. for yep. big spots. Okay, there was no there was no base to those ladders, so a guy like AJ Gray was trembling on top. G. Raver almost broke his fucking neck. I don't know oh, what I'm he was trying that. to do. Twice he almost tried to break his neck. One was because of Jimmy Lloyd. 
But the other one was, I don't know what he was trying to do on top of the ladder, and he just fell. He just went, that's it. Bro, I, I, I like, it was to a point where I didn't even want to watch any more of the match. I said, just, listen, whoever's trying, whoever's supposed to win, just send them up there and, and, and get the freaking brass ring and, and end, this, end this nightmare. I mean, it's just, like I said, they, again, I just feel like being in the Hammerstein, big show, live on pay-per-view, a lot of new eyes watching, I feel like they tried to do a little more than they could handle. And, you know, again, like you said, what do what brought them to the dance, man. I just feel like they did not need to go all out the way they did. And again, obviously, like, I, it didn't seem like they rehearsed some of these spots beforehand. It just seems like they kind of, they were winging all this shit. It just, like I said, it, it, it was just not good. It was very, very sloppy and just a really disappointing way to start off that show. And like I said, that ladder match was one of the matches of the night that I was really looking forward to the most and just didn't deliver. Also, I feel like the guys that were in the match, they're, they're like, maybe not PCO or whatever, and that's not hating on PCO, but like the guys that were in the match, they're like GCW originals, right? They're like GCW mainstays that, that are in there, like Alice Cologne, Tony Deppin, Jimmy Lloyd, AJ Gray, Jordan Oliver, G-Raver. I feel like some of those guys shouldn't even have been in a ladder match and maybe been in another match, like in a singles match or maybe like a, a three-way dance or something. Like... And I understand too, like, oh, what do you expect? They can't, oh, they can't do death matches. And you're, um, it didn't have to be a death match. Like, I could, Alex Cologne could have still defended his title, like, and I don't know, like maybe a tables match or like a hardcore yeah. rules match. Like, he could have still defended his title against like someone like Jimmy Lloyd. I'm sure they they're both smart enough to put on a, a violent match without using light tubes and something else. You know what I'm saying? You get what I'm trying yeah. to say? Like, they could still put on, like, a, a violent match without using light tubes. Right, without light tubes, without blood. I mean, they could still do a hardcore match. I mean, I've seen, you know, things when we went for Ring of Honor shows at the Hammerstein where they, right. you know, obviously the ladder wars and all that type yeah. of stuff. Where they use tables and all that all that crap, too. I mean, obviously they were using ladders here. So, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. But, I mean, I guess, you know... Listen, they all thought that they could they could pull this off. Obviously, Brett Lauderdale had a lot of confidence in them as well. And look, listen, looking at the field of all these guys, I mean, AJ Gray wasn't supposed to be in this match to begin no. with. He was supposed to face Eddie Kingston, yeah, so yep. he got added in because Leo Rush had to be pulled mm -hmm. because he was facing Blake Christian yep. and whatever. So he got added in at the last minute. Um, but, you know, looking at the rest of the field, I mean, you look at this, you look at how much talent's here, you're like, wow, this is going to be a banger of a ladder match. And like I said, they, they just, they tried to do too much, and that's the bottom line. They, I think they just tried to just go all out, and, uh, you know, again, it just, it didn't work. And I hope that they learn their lesson to just, next time, take it a little easier, man. And, you know, people would have, uh, you know, like I said, nobody would have complained that, oh, we didn't get too many high spots. Like, dude, the match would have been a hell of a lot better if they didn't try and over-deliver. You know, if... Like, Tony Depp and then Jordan Oliver. You remember when GCW a year ago ran, like, that 24-hour show? Remember yeah. they, on YouTube? I remember they, they wrestled a match for two hours. A two-hour yeah. straight Iron Man match. Now, granted, I'm not saying they're going to have the same thing on pay-per-view, but why, what if they would have just had a one-on-one -on -one and they would have been like, hey, listen, we went two hours. I think we should do it in the Hammerstein. Let's go on a 30-minute Iron Man. Like, I feel like if they would have done that, I think the fans would have been satisfied because that's like, okay, that's a GCW match. That's a match that we would yeah. get in GCW in Atlantic City or wherever. Instead of them yeah. being in a multi-man match where you're just kind of just trying to put all these guys in there. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I, I feel like guys that were in that ladder match deserved a little bit better instead of being in a multi-man match. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree at all. Well, the the next match was a was a Lucha Rules match. It was Team Gringo. It was Gringo Loco, uh, Flamita, and Aries versus Team Bandito, Bandito, ASF, and Laredo Kid. This was my favorite match of the night. I thought this match was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, this this was great. This was a hell of a lot better than, than the latter match. This was, listen, I will say this match went a lot longer than I thought. Um, I, I just, I don't feel like this match would have been as long as it was for just a regular six-man match. But, man, high-flying moves left and right and very little botches, just uh, fast-paced action. You know, I mean, obviously, Lucha, Lucha wrestling is, is great. It's so enjoyable, and I love watching yeah. them just fly around the ring like complete spot monkeys and it was just it was a hell of a lot uh, of fun and i just i don't think anybody complained about this i saw a lot of people who were watching um you know by you know clicking on the hashtag on twitter and i was looking at you know seeing what people said about each match and i don't think anybody had a bad thing to say about this one match was great i mentioned blake christian before uh leo rush, leo rush got pulled from um his match that he was supposed to be in the ladder match he got pulled to face blake christian jonathan christian was supposed to be scheduled to defend his Ring of Honor world title against Blake Christian, but he got pulled due to COVID. Listen, Leo Rush, Blake Christian, they put on matches before. I thought this match was really, really good, too. Um, th- it didn't surprise me here one bit. This this was my favorite match of the night. Uh, I-, I loved these two. Um, I really loved Blake Christian. I think he's just absolutely fantastic. And I know he gets a lot of hate, but I do like Leo Rush a lot as well. Yeah. I-, I think, you know, yeah, it's, maybe he has some sort of attitude problems. He speaks up, you know, a lot, which I don't really necessarily hate. Listen, I respect that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people hate him for that type of reason. I think I don't. he's an asshole, this and that. I disagree. I've listened to a lot of podcasts with him and stuff like that. I think he's a genuinely good dude. Me too. Actually, after the show, too, um, I guess maybe you dipped, but I, just since I was on the floor, uh, me and my brother, we went, you know, close to ringside after the show, and, and I actually got a selfie with, with Gage and uh, and Leo, too. And I nice. gave Leo a fist bump, and I was like, Leo, man, I, I have a lot of respect for you, dude. And he's just, oh, thank you. Like, he just seemed very genuine. So He seems I like a great Leo. guy. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, he really is. I mean, like I said, people are so quick to judge people. Uh, but I just think, you know, Leo's got a family. He's got young yeah, kids. Yeah, man. He's, he's a good dude. So yeah. this was my favorite match. I think, you know, if there's anybody that was going to replace Jonathan Gresham, um, it was definitely the right call with Leo Rush. I thought this was awesome. And since you're on the Leo Rush topic, um, I think as a, I think as a, in a couple of days, I think he'll be completely like out of his AEW contract or whatever. But I think also people tend to forget like Leo Rush. Now I have no issue with Leo Rush. I, I like him a lot. I don't care if he's opinion or whatever, but also people need to understand he's still a young guy. He's, he's still like in, I think in his mid late twenties, there's going to be room for him to grow as the years progress. And you got to understand, too, you know, he got fame at a very young age with a yeah, family. Exactly. That, that you know, you're just not born for all that. Like, no one's ready for all that. People take it differently. And, you know, who are you to criticize, you know, some of his uh, opinions about certain things or, like, judge him because he decides to take this path or whatever it is to me he seems like a good dude i think he's a he's a provider for his family he doesn't seem like a bad guy to me i i just don't understand the hate but you know some people are either ignorant or just see things i guess like out of out of the box they can't they they just focus on one thing and that's it you know yeah yeah hey listen that's it's the world we live in nowadays everybody's so opinionated they think they know better than everybody else especially wrestling fans they think they know more than they actually do Oh, Leo Rush, this guy's an asshole because of all the things he did backstage. No. Really, Mark? Were you backstage right. with him? Did you know all that? Or are you just reading what, what uh, people are saying on- online about him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, like I said, don't even get me started. But yeah. th- this was a, this was a yeah. great match, and I uh, really enjoyed it. And also with Blake Christian, um, I like Blake Christian a lot, too. And at the route he's going, he's still another one who's very, very young. 
I feel like he's going to be another one of those guys that will be in the conversation of a guys like a Will Ospreay or a Kota Bushi or a Bandito or a Ray Phoenix or Sammy Guevara in a couple years. I think Blake Christian's that good. Yeah, man, this is a guy that I could say. I, 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 listen, Impact Wrestling should be the promotion that grooms somebody like Blake Christian. I mean, listen, Impact's got a lot of young guys on their roster, and I don't necessarily think they're grooming them in the ways that they should. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Chris Bay, Ace Austin, Ace Austin yep. uh, yeah, Trey Miguel, guys like them. I mean, man, these guys, they really built them up to, you know, they, they could put, throw the Impact World title on them and things like that. And then, you know, obviously they would just push them into into stardom, man. It would make them a, 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 put more eyeballs on them from, like, you know, maybe not WWE because I know they're not going for wrestlers anymore, but maybe like an AEW and things like that. Um, I feel like Blake Christian should be picked up by Impact, man. He would be great for the X Division, yeah. and he could just really, I mean, him and, and Ace and, and Chris Bay yeah. and Miguel and freaking Josh Alexander. I mean, yeah. I just feel like he could have great matches Yeah, there. I agree. I agree. So but... I don't know what they, you know, I, I, w- I would definitely sign a guy like him instead of, you know, some of the other guys that Impact is going for, but, uh, you know, whatever. But I think, like you said, he's still young. I know he, he went to WWE and he got released, but I think that's fine because, like you said, he's so young. I just feel like he needed some more time on the indies anyways. I don't think he should have even went to WWE to begin with that early. I, I tell you what, they, they, they WWE sure loves Cora J, though. <laughs> Let me tell oh, you. yeah, they're pushing her <laughs> to the freaking moon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, but let's see how long that lasts. Right. Let, let's see, once she gets the, you know, moves on from NXT, we'll see yeah. how long that lasts. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Joey Janela and Matt Cardona. Let, let's start with the entrances first, because I went on record saying Matt Cardona's entrance is probably one of the best things I've seen this year. I know this year just started, but I, it's memorable. That entrance with Enter the Same Man was fucking amazing. I think that should be his permanent theme song for now. Yeah. It, 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 just, it was so good. When we heard Enter the Same Man, I forgot who I was with, but we were all looking around to see what was going to happen. I, I knew it was going to be Matt Cardona, because he did say on Busted Open that he had like an ECW tribute that he wanted to do at the at um the Hammerstein show. So I figured like, okay, he just... I knew it was Matt Cardona, but I just didn't know what he was going to do. But he came out through the entrance with plaid cut-off shirt. You know, I think it said, like, fuck you, Foley on the back. If Cardona wins, we ride shirt. I, I, you know, he spit on fucking mittens in the face. Oh, that was That was, that was amazing. Just everything about this entrance was just iconic, dude. Matt Cardona, bro, he, he's really, truly becoming one of my favorite people to see in this world of professional wrestling, man. I feel like everything he's doing... Now, since, like, the whole GCW run, since the whole Nick Gage feud till now, it, it's been some of the best work of his career. Yeah, dude, absolutely, 100%. He's, he's doing phenomenal stuff. I mean, really, like, the, they were the stars of this show, the Cardonas. They really were. Like, I mean, they're, you could argue they're the stars of GCW at the moment. Uh, it was so funny, too, because I saw that um, Cardona's dad, he was up on the balcony. And, you know, I, I reckon, actually... One of my buddies pointed him out. Uh, he was wearing like a cowboy hat, I guess, with like uh, the rest of the Cardona family. And he was standing up in, in the balcony, the the one on to the right. And I was just watching his facials throughout the whole like entire entrance and all the things Cardona was doing. And all his dad's just laughing hysterically. Like it was it was so funny. But yeah, the heat he gets is unbelievable. And listen, that freaking Mittens guy, like listen, kudos to him for supporting all these indies and stuff. He's always there. He is just... Uh, Listen, the, the kid looks like he needs to take a freaking shower. Uh, and, and uh, dude, it killed me too because because uh, Cardona quote tweeted a, uh, a tweet of him spitting the water into his face, and he's like, "The kid needed a shower." And I was just like, "Yep, 
He definitely needed one. I don't think, uh, you know, I think he needs multiple showers. But For, for those uh, that don't yeah. know who Mins is, is the kid with the long hair. He kind of looks like a, a Wyatt beard. Yeah, Mins. Like I said, kudos to him. He, he's all over the place, man. He he supports all these indies, and, you know, you, you need people like him who are going to of course, shows of course. no matter what. You know, so, like, hey, listen, he's passionate. Like, I give him that. But, yeah, anyway, that was, like, one of my favorite parts. <laughs> it, was gr- it was great. It fucking made his way on TNZ, by the way. So, yep, Joey, yeah, co- Joey comes out, a lot of fanfare, rightfully so, you know. Joey, in many ways, he's like the gatekeeper of GCW. All right, you know me, big Joey guy. So you know, I'm I'm glad to see that he had this Hammerstein moment, and then the match happens. You know, with all the shenanigans, and it, whether you want to say it was overbooked, a lot of things didn't make sense. One thing I feel like everyone could say, whether they hated the match or they loved the match, we were entertained because there was never, yeah. there was not one dull moment in this match whatsoever. The best way I'll describe this match, if somebody asked me how did, how, what did I think of the match, I'm going to say, I had fun. Yeah. Because that's what it was. I, I had a blast. I really did. I You couldn't look away because you didn't know what the hell was going to happen next. You have Hornswoggle coming in. You have uh, freaking Marco Stunt coming in. Then you got this, uh, this freaking, uh, you you know who he is because I asked you who he was. The, the, big, guy, the big the guy dude. Um, his, his name is yeah. Sam Stackhouse, if I'm not mistaken. He... He's part of the GCW ring crew. He did a spot back in Vegas a couple of months ago where he actually had a match with Cardona or whatever, and he played as he was just like a merch guy. But that's the dude's name. I believe his name is Sam Stackhouse. You had him. You had Smart Mark Sterling coming out with Vince McMahon, who ended up being Virgil. Virgil. Yep. You had Brian Myers. You had X-Pac after. You just had a little bit of everything. You had what we thought. I mean, honestly, if anybody thought that this was actually going to be a thing, like, you know, jokes on you, congratulations. Um, but, you know, when, when Chelsea kicks Cardona in the nuts and we think she's a double cross, she's helping, you know, Joey or whatever. That was great, uh, though. That was that a great spot. That was a great no, spot. it was great. It was perfect. But anybody who was fooled by that, come on. Um, you know, that was great. Then you had Chelsea giving Marco the Canadian Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you had Joey dropping uh, Chelsea as well. Yeah, with a power I mean, driver. Yeah, you could not take your eyes off of this because yeah. it was just like there was so much happening. And again, this just goes to show you that that's the wrestling fans' mentality is like, you just bitch and moan and complain about everything. Listen, like I said, this is typical independent wrestling. Like, this wasn't something on an AEW TV or uh, pay-per-view or WWE where everything's more polished. This is the this is the definition of independent wrestling. Some wacky, crazy, just out of the world like things you wouldn't even expect to happen happened in this match, and that's just what makes indie wrestling fun at times. And like I said, if you watch this and you didn't have a blast watching this, like uh, I mean, like I said, like I don't know, like you gotta welcome some fun into your life a little bit, you know. Also, this match, if I'm not mistaken. Everyone was on their feet for this match. Nobody was sitting down. Yeah, no, I know. Exactly. It, 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 it was just, it was just something like, like don't get me wrong, like Joey and Cardona busted their ass, but there was like a lot of shenanigans involved as well. But everybody was just glued to what was happening in the ring. For better or worse, everyone was entertained. Yeah, and that's credit to Cardona, too, because everybody hates him so much mm-hmm. that, you know, every single time he did something, people thought he was going to win, and just everybody, nobody wants to see this guy win. I mean, it was just like, he has the entire crowd in the palm of his hands, and, and that's, that, I mean, it's, it's just like you said, it's freaking incredible. 
I enjoyed Brian Myers' interference of him being with the with the motorcycle helmet as Edge. Yeah, I thought yep. that was a great callback to One Night Stand 06 when uh, RVD won beat Cena for the title. I thought that was great. Um, and the the following day, I, I did a post like, "Hey, listen, I want this match in AC. I want X Pac and Joey Janela versus um, you know, Cardona and Myers, and we are gonna get that match down in Atlantic City. But hey, I'm cool with it. I think they're gonna fight in." I believe California, if I'm mis- mistaken, at the end of February. So the fact that we're going to get X-Pac and Joey tagging against uh, the the major players, I-, I think it's cool, man. It is. It's a match I don't think anybody ever thought they would even ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're getting it. So, yeah, I think that's uh, it's really freaking cool. Xbox was a nice surprise. Yeah, that, and him coming out to the Run DMZ version of of uh, Degeneration X, I thought was great too. Yeah, yeah. That that's another thing too, and kind of like what I said before, like how this show felt like it was like a tribute to ECW. They played all their theme songs, meaning like, you know how like WWE has to get like licensing for like when they have to play like. Remember when uh, for um the the Boneyard match between uh Undertaker and AJ? Remember how they licensed that that Metallica song for Taker just for yep. that one match? And guess what GCW did? They didn't do none of that. They didn't license no themes for any of these guys. They just went went straight for it. They went like fuck it, like straight outlaws, like ECW did back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. <laughs> so I, they they had like this little segment. So Manson Warner came out. Uh, he made his return. He said he's still not cleared, but he was uh he was able to get in the ring or whatever and kind of just address the crowd. And I believe Atticus Kogar came out following. He didn't have a match, which kind of made me a bit upset because I, I look at guys like Atticus Kogar and then like a Ricky Shane Page and like just the four four zero for example. And I look at them and I'm like, man. You can make the argument that during the pandemic, they were the guys that had GCW on their backs carrying the company during like questionable times because we didn't know what was going to happen with independent wrestling. We didn't know any of this because we were kind of just like working day by day on with this whole global pandemic or whatever. And GCW continued putting product out there, you know, with this 440 storyline. So just to see like these 440 guys, specifically Atticus Kogar and Ricochet Page, but he wasn't there. Just to see them not have like a bigger major spot in the show, it kind of it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Because going back to what I said in this show, GCW didn't do what brought them to the dance. They did more GCWWE stuff, and, and I hate to term it that way, but that's pretty much what it was. Like you look at the card, the GCW originals didn't go over. It was mostly the outsiders. Yeah, yeah, like the Jeff Jarrett's and the Ruby Soho's. And listen, I understand they wanted to bring big names into this because a lot of eyes would be watching the product and things like that. But you know what? How about, you, like you said, use the guys like the Kogars, you know, like, like the people that, like, again, made GCW what it is. And maybe, you know, the new eyeballs that are watching this, this show for the first time, maybe, you know, they'll, they'll be attached to some of these, you know, homegrown names in GCW yep. that have been, you know, grinding there for so long, you know? A guy like Jeff Jarrett, he's going to come in and do appearances here and there. Ruby Soho might not even ever appear in GCW <laughs> right. ever again. So, like, what was the point? So, like, yeah, I mean, that, that was it was definitely just a shame. And, and one of the things that I'm sure, you know, Brett is really, you know, really thinking about now because he's been sending out tweets about how he's unhappy and stuff. Mm-hmm. He feel like he didn't deliver in the way that he wanted to. Yeah. And maybe this is, you know, this is going to 
make him second guess next time and really learn his lesson. So, so they did this whole segment where it was like four for zero, you know, facing off with the second gear crew. It was a uh, we got a surprise from Sabu, you know, Hammerstein Ballroom, another tribute to ECW. You know, you mentioned Ruby Soho and Alley Cat. I don't think it was the greatest match. I don't think it was a terrible match, but it was what it was. Let me tell you something. When Ruby Soho went over, the crowd wanted nothing to do with Ruby, and I love Ruby Soho, but. Kind of going back to what you what we were saying this whole time. Listen to your audience. I do get there was outsiders, meaning fans, like, hey, it's a New York show, it's a wrestling show, it's the Hammerstein Ballroom, hey, let's attend it. But I want to say maybe 85, 90% of that crowd are all GCW fans. Like, people flew out to New York to see this show, this big show, GCW's biggest show ever in its company history. I, I just feel like you, you're not, you didn't satisfy the people that, that, that have been rocking with you all these years. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the biggest complaint about the whole entire show in a nutshell. It's just, like I said, and also, too, I just feel like the pacing of the show, just like like the crowd, especially for this women's match, and then even the Jeff Jarrett Effie match, the crowd just wasn't there, man. Like, the, I don't know, like, I just feel like the energy wasn't there. I remember we met up uh, yeah. with Brian uh, yeah. for the uh, Effie and Jeff Jarrett match, and we're just like, we don't really care about this, yeah. and I, I just feel like a lot of people didn't, and, um, you know, that's, like I said, that's not good. I think the pace of the show is the most important part. You need to keep people engaged, whether watching on TV or there live in the crowd. You need to, you know, you need to pace these matches at at a good level where people, like, don't get burnt out or they don't, you know, like, you know, there's always going to be that match on the card where people don't care about. But, like, when there's back-to-back matches, and these two matches especially, where they brought people in like Jeff Jarrett and Ruby Soho for people not to care about it, well... You know, that says a lot. It's like, well, then why did you even bring these people in if, if you brought them in for people to get excited about and nobody cares, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I agree. Mentioning the, the whole Effie and Jared match, you know, during the entrances, prior to what we ended up seeing in the main event, I think Effie got one of the loudest pops at the Hammerstein Ballroom. When he came out and when he got in that ring and addressed and faced the crowd, huge pop. I can't even describe how big the pop was. I don't know if you felt that way. Yeah, no, totally. He's one of the most uh, over guys in GCW. And, and, you know, again, this is where guys like Mittens, and I'm sure, like, you know, I know there's a lot of other GCW right. diehards that always go to these shows. Though, I mean, I feel like the pops came mostly from those guys who have literally been watching people like Effie uh, for so long, and, and they know how big this moment was for him yeah. to perform in the Hammerstein, someplace that he probably never thought mm-hmm. he would perform in, because, you know, who knows if this guy's ever going to wrestle for a big major promotion, you know? this GCW could be it for him, right. and this was his ultimate, like, you know, like, wrestling at the Hammerstein Ballroom had to be the probably the biggest thing he's ever done yeah. so far yeah. in wrestling, and yeah, so I'm, I'm glad he got that pop, because he absolutely deserved it. Yeah, I agree 1,000%. Unfortunately, he took an L from Jarrett, kind of going back to what I've been saying. All the all the GCW originals caught L's. Joey Janela, and you can make the argument like that made sense of, you know, because it's Cardona, and Cardona is sticking around with GCW, but whatever. You know, Joey, Alley Cat, Effie, like all the GCW originals caught L's, you know? Yeah, and, and similar to the Alley and Ruby match, this match was nothing special. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, granted, you know, again, like we were talking, so I wasn't, I wasn't paying full attention to it, but what I did see of it, nothing like was worthwhile to me. Right. Like just a match that kind of didn't even need to happen. Uh, I mean, really. I, I did. I will say that I always pop listening to Jeff Jarrett's theme, especially like this dark version yeah, of his the theme. Fire. Yeah, I always pop. I don't know why. It just, it, yeah, it yeah. just, it just it's makes me pop. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. his TNA theme. I loved it. Man. Yeah, it was great. It was great, man. 
Main event, the Briscoes did this open challenge, and there were so many different tag teams that we that people speculated. You know, some people speculated it was going to be FTR. I figured it wasn't going to be FTR. I was leaning more towards LAX, Ortiz and Santana, Proud and Powerful. But what we ended up getting was Matt Tremont and the returning Nick Gage. Whew. The second Tremont came out, I was like, okay, his partner's Nick Gage. I already knew 1,000% it was going to be Nick Gage. And, man, did that crowd everyone lose their fucking minds when they heard those bells and Nick Gage came out, dude. Uh, insane. Insane pop. And uh, I think, you know, me and you, along with other people, we deserve congratulations because we really thought that, that we, we read into these reports and, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know, I'm speaking for myself. Maybe, no, me too, sure me too, me too, me too. You believed it as well. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that Nick Gage has, you know, heat with GC Dub and everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, me too, I man. I don't know why I didn't think it was a work. Um, no I, I did mention that it could put, it, uh, this all could be a work whatsoever, but I also want to address the elephant in the room. But, you know, as I'm, as I'm happy that Nick Gage came out, all right, and Gage and Tremont had a match with the Briscoes, and regardless of how you felt about the match and the finish, you know, they're, they're our new GCW Tag Team Champions. Let's also not act that Nick Gage didn't look all that great in the sense he came back, you know, maybe 10 pounds heavier. And when you're telling people in what's that gimmick when you do like uh videos for people, what's that gimmick called again? I, I forget what's it called. You know, when uh somebody can't when you do cameos, you're telling people like, Oh, I need to get my mind right and my body right, but it doesn't really seem that way. It kinda makes you question like, okay, is Nick Gage really okay? And listen, I I, I like Nick Gage. I, I'm I'm a fan of Nick Gage. I want him to I want him to be doing great. I want him to be in a good space or whatever. But to me, right? And this is not being judgy. This is just me being completely honest. Seeing him come out, seeing him not necessarily being in great shape, kind of makes you wonder, is he in a good place or not? Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope so. But, I mean, I don't know for sure either. I mean, yeah, listen, I, Nick Gage is, is just a freaking animal. Um, yeah, yeah. I always feel like he's like, even if he gets himself into good shape, uh, you know, I just feel like he's going to go through like three other death matches and then obviously be in terrible shape again. I just feel like this guy's like, you know, always just going to be what he is. Um, but you know, I was happy to see him. I'm glad he got that Hammerstein moment. He I deserved he it. Taking care of himself. Yeah, he definitely did. The pop was insane. I'm, I'm the one of the biggest things when GCW announced this show at the Hammerstein, I was looking forward to was Nick Gage's entrance. So I'm glad we got it. Yeah. Um, it definitely didn't disappoint, but as far as the match goes, I don't even know what the hell that even was, I'll be honest. Um, they ran out of time. Yeah. And it's something that happened almost at All In as well, where, like, you know, it was their first show. They didn't really time it out too well. Being on pay-per-view, you got a hard out at yep. 11 o'clock. Yep. Um, it happened at the first you know, ECW pay-per-view, too, barely legal. Yeah. They ran out of go. time. Yep. And I, and I mentioned before how the Lucha match took up way too much time, I feel like. The Cardona stuff probably went on way too long. And then this is what happens here. They needed a hard out. They needed, um, you know, Nick Gage's, you know, promo at the end with everybody coming into the ring. So they needed to end the match the way they did. And just a real, like you said, the way they opened the show, which we just talked about with the ladder match, which was very sloppy, and ending it on that type of note, too. Mm-hmm. And then all the stuff we mentioned in the, be- in the middle where it's yeah. like, eh, don't really care about Ruby and Allie and Effie and Jarrett. And, uh, like, I don't know. It's just like, to me... It was not a home run, and this show, in a nutshell, is not, like like I said, a lot of eyeballs on it, a lot of people watching for the first time. This ain't going to make people want to watch another GCW show. It's just not. I want to talk about the future GCW, but uh, I completely forgot about Moxley and Homicide. I'm glad that Moxley did get that moment 
in the Hammerstein ballroom. You could tell he felt it all in. Like like when he when he came out and he was all amped up, or whatever. And the, I just think for him, because he's like a wrestling fan, like all of us too. You know, him performing at a place where ECW ran twenty years ago, I think it meant something to him. So and then also the fuck bully Ray chance I popped for them also as well. Um, I thought that was oh a nice. God, that was beautiful. That was that was a nice little uh, you know uh, icing on the cake for for that match or whatever. But you know that that I knew Moxley was gonna go over. Um, I was surprised there. The match was what it was. I don't think it was a bad match, but it was nothing memorable either. But no, no, it was it, it was a match. That's all I can yeah. really say. It yeah. wasn't anything special at all. So the future GCW, do you think they get another second shot at the Hammerstein Ballroom? I will say yes. I will say yes, too. I don't see why not. They sold it out. As far as how the, the show goes, I don't really, you know, listen, if they could sell tickets and if they could sell it out, which they proved that they did. And, of course, you know, you got all those GCW diehards and, you know, me and you included and our, and our boys, Brian and Joe and all mm-hmm. them, my brother, like, were we, it, this didn't sour GCW for us. Like, no. if they came back, we would totally go back to the Hammerstein. Yeah. So, like, the Hammerstein Ballroom, when they're looking to book shows, right? They're not going to say no to GCW because the show wasn't good. They're not going to know that. They're, they're going to ask, well, can you sell tickets? Now, as far as putting the show on pay-per-view, uh, I think they would put it back on pay-per-view too because, again, the show did really great numbers. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like they come back next time. They learn their lesson. They come back with a stronger card, maybe a better showing. Maybe all the talent realizes they can't just go as hard as they did. And yeah. Brett, no, Brett knows what he needs to fix and things like that. Listen, this was their first shot. This was their first experiment. I think they'll come back. I hope they. So. I hope they do too. And it does make me optimistic, especially with Brett being so vocal, saying like he feels like he let people down and he wasn't happy with the show. So that to me means that he's going back on the drawing board and he's going to correct the wrongs. What happened in this show? And when they get the second shot at the Hammerstein, whether it's a year from the actual show, meaning next January, or if it happens later on this year, I I have faith in GCW and Brett, and I feel like they're gonna. They'll redeem themselves. Maybe that'll be the next. Uh, that'll be the name of the of the Hammerstein show. It'll be uh, the you know, uh, GCW redeem redeeming or something. I don't know. Maybe they'll yeah. come up with something like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I hope for their sake to get another chance too. They don't deserve mm-hmm. not to. Um, you know, again, the company's really in really good shape right now. Really mm-hmm. good position. Um, you know, again, they got a lot of talent there, and I just feel like they know what they need to correct. We know how good GCW can be, and um, you know, I I, I feel like. It, it absolutely sky's the limit. They'll, they'll, they'll keep killing it. They'll keep uh, doing what they do. And I'm sure, you know, may, maybe not this year, but if they want to make this an annual, I don't know, just say January show yeah. or whatever, um, you know, I, I firmly believe they'll, they'll be back for yeah, sure. Me too. It's safe to say that GCW is the third biggest promotion in the, in the country, right? Like, they, they are. They got to be. Like, if we're comparing this to the 90s, right, you know, you had WWF, WWE, right? That's no-brainer. You have WCW from the 90s, and then there's AEW now. ECW from the 90s. Now we have GCW. It's safe to say that's the comparison, right? Yeah, I I, I, I would. Yeah, I, listen, like I said, this show didn't hinder that for me. I still think GCW is the number three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't think anything changed. Nothing changed, in my opinion. Nothing, like this whole show, like for me, like again, because I'm a GCW fan and I've been to the Atlantic City show, I watched uh, I watched them on fight. I, I know how good the product can be. This didn't, like, sour me on, like, oh, I'm oh, me, me either. Me either. Yep. So, like, I, I still firmly, all my beliefs, yeah, 100% are still, you know, intact. So, at the GCW show, I don't know if I got to tell you this when we, when we were talking during the Effie and Jared match. So, I was sitting third row, middle balcony, really 
great seats. I, I really love those seats. The problem was there's these two inbreds, like rednecks, that were in the front like row of like my section. And they kept on standing up every two fucking seconds. So when I was recording shit, all of a sudden I see the fucking idiot's head pop up. I'm like, what the fuck? So I started fucking screaming at these people. I'm like, you're sitting in the front row. Why are you standing up? That's, yeah, I hate that, bro. It's, oh, it's so, it, I have the same problem on the floor, too, where people have beautiful views. They, they can see everything without standing up, and these people are standing up. Hey, I, 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 I just... Dude, I, I know. I ended up. I was like, I, halfway through. I think it was um before Joey and um Cardona. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I ended up just going downstairs to the floor, and I sp- and I had a better view where I was standing, and I just watched the whole show from there because it was just pissing me off. Like, like I th- we talked about this before you before you became a permanent on the show. We talked about like a proper wrestling fan etiquette, and if you're sitting in the front row of any section. You shouldn't be standing up unless you're standing up for like the entrances or something. Like, stop standing up. You're sitting in the front row. You have a perfect view. Why are you standing up? I agree, bro. And you know, my brother had the same issue. He was on the opposite side of you on the balcony too, a few rows up. And I don't know if it was, you know, his the overhang was a little like low, and, and you know, he could see the the ring and okay. But like, like he said the same thing when people stood up, it was a nightmare. And uh, he ended up going to the floor, too. And, you know, I should have known this because this is not my first show at the Hammerstein because I've done this for Ring of Honor multiple times. But the next time, what I'm doing is I'm buying the cheapest ticket possible, okay? I am <laughs> just going to get, you know, the, the top, top balcony, the last row. I don't care. Whatever it is, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever. And I'm going to stand the whole show. I'm going to stand on the floor because so many people were standing on the floor. Yeah. And the standing room spots, now, yeah, it sucks standing for, like, three, three and a half hours of a show. But... It, you know, it is what it is. I but if it's a good it. show, the adrenaline is just so good, you won't even realize that you're standing for three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't care at all. I actually, I actually, from um, after the Cardona match, I stood for the rest of the show, too. You know, yeah. with you for a little bit, yeah. and I went with my brother on the side. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do from now on at the shows at the Hammerstein. I'm not going to pay these big bucks where I don't even, like, enjoy sitting in my seat. Like, it's pointless to me. I'll yeah. just buy a cheap ticket, and I'm just going to stand around wherever because the standing room views at the Hammerstein are great. Yeah, it, it was rough, man. And like I said, I enjoyed my seats, but those two inbreds sitting in the front row, they they, they just they, they kind of ruined that experience for me. So I was like, you know what? I'm working myself down, and I stayed on the floor, and I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, good for you, yeah. Listen, you, you were, we were very excited for the show. You can't let anything like that yeah. ruin it. So yeah. if you could take yourself out of the situation yeah. and, you know, get a better view, yeah, of course. And, you know, that's I love it at Hammerstein, too, because there's, like, no security is, like, you know, telling you, oh, you can't stand here. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, nobody's, like, you know, if that was any other arena, there'd be security, oh, you can't stand here, or, oh, you need to make a pathway, or, oh, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, people were standing all around. Like, nobody says anything. You know, I don't even see any Hammerstein staff around either. So it, it's great, man. It's it's just, it's it's cool. It's yeah, basically it, like a free-for-all. Go it, wherever it, you want, you know? It's one of my favorite venues when it comes to wrestling. Oh, I think it's my it's my top venue mm-hmm. just to watch wrestling. And I, 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 I've said that for years. I think, uh, I just... If you ask me where I'd rather go to a wrestling show, like anywhere, mm-hmm. it's 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 got to be the Hammerstein. I just feel like the, the intimate setting yep. and the history and how, you know, they obviously only promotions like Ring of Honor or GCW or, yeah. you know, are going to go there. And that's like the diehard, real, true, passionate pro wrestling fans. So it just makes for a great atmosphere. Yeah, it just hits different. I, I love the Hammerstein. All right, dude. I'm going to end the show with this story. I have to share it with you because you're not going to believe it. So the night before, all right, the night before GCW, at the Hammerstein, I attended Northeast Wrestling in Poughkeepsie. It is Wrestle Fest. They do like an annual thing, or whatever. And 
you know, the card was decent, and but I was specifically going there to, I really wanted to meet Malachi Black and Thunder Rosa. And let me tell you, they're great people, okay? Malachi Black couldn't be the coolest fucking dude. I asked them, because I, I know a lot of these towns, 90% of their questions, and they get harassed, everything is wrestling related, right? So Malachi, he's married to Zelina Vega, so I just wanted to know, because he, he seems like an articulate guy. I was like, dude, do you know Spanish? Do you eat Spanish food? Like, that was my question to him. And we started going, like, this long dialogue. He was telling me about his diet, and he doesn't really, he's like, he does all the cooking, and we just started having a great conversation. He's a great guy. Thunder Rosa, she couldn't be any sweeter. Let me tell you something, Thunder Rosa. Big Thunder Rosa fan. I love me some Thunder Rosa. And she was so fucking sweet. You know, she look, she looks directly in your eyes. She's very appreciative, very humble. You could tell, like, she's very appreciated to her fans. And she she's so, like, welcoming. Like, she talks to you like she's known you for a while. <laughs> so, Thunder Rosa is just fucking amazing. I love Thunder Rosa as well. So, And I also got to ch- chat up with the Briscoes, too. And I don't know if you guys saw my... I know you did, but uh, Lucha Outsiders on Instagram... You will see two pictures. You will see a picture of me and the Briscoes, Mark J. Briscoe from Northeast. And then above it, you will see a picture of myself and the Briscoes from back in 2002. Okay? This is how long I've been following the Briscoes. Dude, your hair, bro. <laughs> I, if anybody hasn't seen the picture, go go look at it just to see a young Mario and uh, his hairstyle back in the day. It's crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. It looks like, he looks like uh, one of the Tongans. <laughs> really fits in with the Tongan family. Yeah, so when I was when I was in high school, I was 13, 14 years old and when that picture was taken, my hair was like naturally curly, but I've done so much crap to my hair over the years. I had dreads and I cut it and I used to get braids on the regular before and I cut it. So like when my hair is short, it actually does get curly again. But then once once my hair starts growing out, it kind of gets less curly, so now it's just like it is what it is, you know. But yeah, but like, they yeah. have like the the the, the do rag on, so I never really like see like yeah. I never I, I see like sometimes you have like the the ponytail or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the back, but yeah, like I I've never you look like Hikaleo in that photo. <laughs> Really do. That's literally the first person that came to my mind. So it's funny to see. Yeah, man. But um, so I actually had a, I had a, I had two copies of that picture. So I actually gave them a copy, and I was like, "Dude, you guys can keep this." They couldn't believe it. Oh wow, that's amazing. They couldn't believe it. They Jay popped so, so Mark popped, but Jay popped so hard. He was like holding the picture for like a while, just looking at it. He, because back in the day, the Briscoes looked like twins. Like people didn't realize that Jay was like one year older than Mark, because they were young. They yeah. look like twins in that picture, and now they completely look completely different. Like they all, they both have their own identities, but they they couldn't believe the picture, and they were so they they couldn't believe that I've been following them for that for this long since the Rexplex days. Great conversation, great guys. So overall, I enjoyed the Northeast Wrestling Show. I enjoyed my um you know my conversations with the Briscoes and Malachi and Thunder Rosa. But my biggest takeaway from this show was me sitting in the front row, and I'm gonna explain why. I was sitting in the front row. And I say for the most part, Northeast Wrestling's a family show. Uh, I, for, for me, all right? And we got some surprise there. We got a uh, John Moxie showed up unannounced or whatever. And we got a, a nice little uh, three-way between Bandito and Flip Gordon and Pentagon. So we got some, some good quality stuff in the match. And then we had some matches that were like kind of like just regular indie regulars that you don't know much about. I don't want to call it shindy, but, you know, just... Regular independent guys, right? You've been to Northeast Wrestling Show, so you know it's kind of like a family environment, right? Yeah. There was this match. I think it was like maybe the semi-main or like maybe the, th- the third uh, match to the main where it was this guy named Hale Collins. 
and this other dude named Mike Verna. And I think Mike Verna's done like some shots for like AEW Dark. I know he's a New York guy. Do you know who Mike Verna is or no? Yes, yeah. Okay. Man, of, Man of Steel, right? Yeah, there you go. Steel. There you go. Yeah, Mike Verna, okay? So he was defending, which I guess is their mid-card title. He was defending his Northeast Wrestling Live Championship against this dude named Hale Collins. And Hale Collins, he's a... He's a, I think he's like a Poughkeepsie boy because he, he was like his hometown return or whatever. That's how they were building it. So throughout the night prior to this match, a lot of the younger kids, right? I was sitting front row. A lot of these younger kids were like, you know, during the entrances and post-match would kind of like run to the railing or whatever and try to get like a handshake or whatever. You know what typical kids would do. But I noticed this one particular kid will kind of linger a, a little bit longer than he should. And I'm like, where's this kid's parent? And he was just like, you know, he must have been like four or five years old. He would linger, he would just hang out to the rail and whatever. And I would look, he didn't bump into me or nothing, but he was like not even a foot away from me. Like, he was like right there. Like, like I could like reach him with my arm. That's how close he was, okay? So I see this kid, I'm like, hmm, all right, well, I'm like, where's, where's, where's this kid's father at or her parent? Where's the mom at? So during this Hale Collins and Mike Verner match, they were fighting, in, you know, outside ringside of the railing, okay? The kid was right there. <laughs> so I see them, you know, hitting each other. They were they were throwing each other to the railing. So I look at this kid, and in my mind, I'm like, this kid's about to get hit with the rail. Right in the oh. face. <laughs> right in the face. So at one point, I think it was Mike Verna, if I'm not mistaken. And now keep in mind, Mike Verna's the heel. Throws, he just rams Hale Collins to the railing. The kid was by the, the rail, all right? And you just hear this, pat, right? <laughs> Right, no. <laughs> right in the face. Pack no. right in the face. The kid falls down. Mike Verna even breaks character, and he goes like, "Oh shit!" But then continues with the match. <laughs> okay. So the kid falls down. Instant cry. I grab the kid, and I'm like, "Whose kid is this?" Okay. <laughs> so I see like a couple rows behind me. His drunk father with beer in his hand. He's like, nah, he's all right. Bring him over here. He's beer in his hand. You could tell he's, he's you know, he's intoxicated. So I was with my two friends, Reiko and my friend Johnny. Okay, I, I was with both of them in the front row or whatever. So they're like, they're like, I can't believe the kid just got hit. So I tell them, I go like this to them. So I, I get, I, you know, I'm like, can I tell you guys something? And he goes like, yeah, yeah, I was like, you know, we're all friends here. You know, this is like our own little inner circle or whatever. You know, let's just keep this between us three. I tell them, I kind of saw that happening, and I didn't do nothing to prevent it. <laughs> Listen, you ain't responsible for this kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> they instantly start cracking up. And Johnny's like, so you mean to tell me you're going to stop this from happening? And I'm like, Absolutely. But listen, what <laughs> I could have easily, I saw this happening, Ryan. I saw this all happening. I knew the kid was going to get smacked in the head. I knew it was going to happen, all right? What have we learned from Back to the Future and The Flash? We do not disrupt the timeline, okay? I was not going to disrupt that timeline. If we learned anything from Back to the Future, we do not disrupt the timeline. I wasn't going to create Flashpoint by stopping something that was meant to happen. And that kid was meant to get hit in the head. That, I mean, dude, uh, uh, and the fact that his, his father is just like no care in the world. He's just slugging down beers. He's like, bring my kid over here, as if like, he, as if, as if that's your responsibility to bring him his his child because he's he's pounded down these drinks. Lordy, lordy, lord. Honestly, you know what? F them kids, man. That kid deserves so, it. 
so for the rest of the night and like the, the following day at the Hammerstein, the, the joke was like, I hate kids. And let me tell you something. I, I don't hate kids. I don't hate kids, all right? Do I ever yeah, see myself some being... Of them. Some of them are brats, do I Do I ever see myself being a parent? Probably not. Listen, you ask Leo, I love, I love his kids, okay? The problem yeah. is, a lot of these kids are pieces of shit. Now, I'm not saying that this kid <laughs> this kid deserved to get hit in the face, but the parent wasn't doing nothing. It's not my responsibility. Could I have stopped it from happening? Absolutely. But if we learned anything from Back to the Future and the show flashes, you do not disrupt the timeline, okay? I was yeah. not going to create Flashpoint. And, uh, hey, the kid yeah. got it, had to get hit in the face, and that's what it is. <laughs> Dude, that is unbelievable. I I wish somebody got that on video. <laughs> I know. I really Dude, I, I wanted that too. I wanted to see that in video so bad. Oh my god, unbelievable. <laughs> Good. Un, un, just unreal. Listen, man, fuck what them kids, story. bro. Fuck them kids. Fuck okay. Them kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a new. That's the name of this episode. I, I think I might have to title them that that episode. <laughs> I think I'm gonna title the episode. You know, I, I don't know if I could put the word fuck. But maybe yeah, I'll I'll just f, f them kids. Yeah, yeah, f them kids, or I'll, I'll figure something out. But yeah, yeah, that's it, dude. That that's the story from Northeast Wrestling. <laughs> oh my God, unbelievable, <laughs> unreal. Can't make up the stuff you see on these shows. You really can't. I dude, I think we covered everything, man. Uh, we went a little bit, a little over two hours. There was a lot of catching up to do, man, with the Royal Rumble stuff and the aftermath with Shane, and you know some of the good stuff that's coming in AEW, and then you know. I won't say the rise and fall of GCW, but you know GCW just needs to get their shit together and and you know and, and I'm sure and they will they will because they, they 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 already had an incredible weekend this past weekend in Texas they put on two great yeah. shows um Gringo Loco and fucking um Cycle Clown put on a banger last night so they, they'll be fine they'll be fine I'll get they'll get their second shot and, and Hammerstein and then I had to just share this kid story fuck them kids bro. <laughs> Dude, uh, uh, unbelievable, man. Uh, I, I can't get over that. That's, that's one of the most incredible stories. <laughs> All right, Ryan, give me your plugs, then. <laughs> All right, at Lucha Outsiders on Twitter and uh, Wrestling Radar on YouTube. Haven't really uh, done much vlogging. We were thinking about vlogging the, the St. Louis trip. Never mm-hmm. happened, but uh, we're thinking about it for Dallas. So, obviously, you know, subscribe to that. And, uh, obviously, as time comes on, goes on, I'll let you know. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. All right, you can follow me at Rated R since 87. Make sure you follow us at Lucha Outsiders everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Not like we did a live show on Facebook, but if you miss anything or everything on today's episode, make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast version of the show. iTunes, SoundCloud, Wimby, Fancy, Apple Podcasts, tune in on MestLab, LotionRadio.com, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast needs. I want to say Leo's going to come back next week, but that will be, you know, TBA. We'll leave it. We'll leave it. Yeah. TBA, TBA. That's it, bro. So for Ryan Radar, for the old man Leo that's not here, I'm yours truly, Mr. Radar. Till next time, keep Radar, and stay too sweet. Goodbye! And good night, Ben!